I nearly went three, two, one, press go, so that I could get that boost at the start. But then I remembered, no, that's a Mario Kart situation <laughs> and not a syncing up audio track situation. Hey, boomers, welcome once again to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. As ever, we too are your humes who think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeely. My name's Dave Boomer, and we've got a lovely big punch-up on the front of this one. It's a Nigel Kitchen cover, so it, yeah. it, it occurred to me, has Kitchen had a cover before? Oh, he must have had a decap. Oh yeah, he would have had a decap, or yeah. maybe even two, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think yeah. he's had a Sonic one. I don't I suppose think he's, he's had a only Sonic drawn one. one Sonic strip, two Sonic strips before. Mm. Even yeah, we haven't had very much uh, Sonic art from him. But I, I seem to recall there's a little coming up in the near future. But here's a little taster mm. on the cover, anyway, of uh, Knuckles and Mighty having a punch up. Yeah, with the rest of the Chaotix, uh, or at least Espio, Charmy, and Vector standing in the background. It's, it's lovely, isn't it? It's a good one. It is, rather. No background. It's just stark white and stark sort of indigo. Crunch point. Knuckles meets the Chaotix crew. Plus, we've got a Sonic and Knuckles pinup. But who are Chaotix? Big arrow pointing at the mysterious figure standing there. Who are they? There. Who on earth are they? Well, it's not like the comic has told us before. That's the thing. <laughs> is it? No. We've talked about how they'd never mentioned the game in the thing before and it suddenly popped up. Now that we get here, that suddenly feels artful instead of a massive oversight, which it had previously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is issue number 54. It says it came out on the 23rd of June, 1995. I bet it didn't. It did, in fact, come out on the 10th of June. Oh. Inside, we got that little drop-down menu box in the corner again. Kid Chameleon returns! Oh, oh yeah! Chris is happy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a noise we made in the 90s. And also, it says, Chaotix 32X review! Oh, they were so excited, the poor fools. I mean, to be fair, so was I at this time, the poor yeah, fools. So and, I, and having not yet played it, still sort of am. Mm. Well, I, I mean, that's the it. thing, isn't it? It's like... The Chaotix review was the closest most people ever got to playing <laughs> Chaotix, wasn't it? That's true. That's very true, yeah. A 32X review, it's that might as well be from space. Isn't it weird, though? Isn't it amazing that neither of us has played it? Is that right? You've never played it either? Not yet. I'm going to. I'm going to. I know, I me mean, too. how many episodes in a row now have we promised we're definitely going to? But yeah. I know. But the thing is, isn't it weird that we haven't? Because, like, it's been really easy to emulate. For the longest time. I think something about the fact that in my head and heart, psychologically I know that to play it on the Mega Drive, you had to have an expensive and rare plug-in thing, mm. has stopped me from attempting to play it on emulators. Even though, as far as I know, they just run it. Now, speaking of that pinup, oh. flipper over. It's on the back cover of this one. So this oh. is my favourite pinup. But, I mean, and I know that's kind of rude of me because the STC artists have worked hard to bring us some good pinups. Mm. But what we have a pinup here is one of my favourite pieces of art anyone's ever made in the world. Mm-hmm. So. It's just the Sonic and Knuckles logo yeah. on a black background, just glowing on there. And that's that is to yeah. say the logo made up of their two heads, not the words. No, not the words. No, Knuckles, no, the be- it doesn't even have that. I mean, they've no. written Sonic and Knuckles on, and they've ruined it by putting another Sega I was going to say, I thought, up. yeah, I'm really with you, <sighs> perhaps more than in any other instance here, where they've put Sonic and Knuckles, another Sega-sational pinup, exclamation mm-hmm. mark, in the bottom left corner of the pinup, and it's like, oh, you should have just left it blank, man, you just leave it blank, that stark image. I mean, I'm even kind of giving them grief for putting the Sonic the Comic logo Sonic on the, the comic top logo. left, to be honest. Yeah, I know. 
I know. It's like when you see a Blu-ray of Ghostbusters, and it's got the Ghostbusters logo on the back background, but also they've put pictures of the cast on. No! <laughs> no, that's the perfect poster. Yeah, there's no need to. The one. To do you remember it. for the longest time the Ghostbusters Blu-ray could get? They'd replace the black background with like blue knobbly texture. That's the, the one green, I've got the Blu-ray on. Is it green or blue? Well, it's been a couple of different colors, hasn't it? The green one is a double pack with two. That's I think. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's the one I've got. And oh dear, no. Oh well, they, they, but they left the film grain on, which is why I bought that. Well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually own Ghostbusters. The Sonic and Knuckles logo is—it's the best logo. I mean, I don't—I can't be objective because I don't know if it's good or not. It's just—it <laughs> looks so cool, and maybe maybe this page more even than the box art was what made me think this maybe. because I do not accept the Japanese version where it's a white background. No, 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 it's a black background. Mm. What about inside the logo? Is it black or white in the Japanese box? I think it's black on the in, inside, yeah. Oh, well then, there, I think. you know, I mean, black inside, black outside with that glow around it? No, that's just stylish. The glow around it, it's so good. And it, frankly, it does remind me of Ghostbusters, which was like, you know, the, the previous yeah. version of this. Had a little bluish glow around it in the way that this has a little yellowish glow around it. No, I've always said, this is the one of two things I've ever been like, if at gunpoint someone said, you've got to have a tattoo, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, Someone only just recently pointed out to me that there's a bit of fantastic logo design in here that I never noticed, which is that the two sides they lock on, Chris. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I always, I always knew that they did, but I never, yeah, I never grasped. Uh, no, the, the the metaphor at work there. Exactly. Yes. I would have drawn it. It's little crenellated zipper sort of uh, thing down the middle, but I, no, I never realised that. Yeah, Sonic. Three and Sonic and Knuckles, two games that physically lock on, and the same thing happens. With the logo. You can imagine it. You can imagine an animated version where they like clip into each other yeah. and then swing up yeah. to the screen. You know, come in from either side of the screen and just yeah in the middle. Yeah, lightning, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that Sonic's head seemed squidged out when I was a kid. I always mm. thought this logo made it look like Sonic's head was sort of squidged out. The way Knuckles yeah. sort of took the foreground. Yeah, you're right there. Knuckles is is like well, I was going to say completely on model, not quite, but it's sort of in the way that like you know that drawing of Simba that Rafiki does on the tree is. But yes, the Sonic. The now that I really appraise it, he's got a very small spike and a quite stretched out nose bit. But it's just because we expect his body to be there, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean the the spike is there because they need to properly communicate that it's Sonic, and if he mm. didn't have at least one visible spike, mm. you know. That's uh, and Knuckles is in the way of yes. where the spike would normally be. Yes, but you know it's still a great logo one way oh, or the other. Oh, good! And I that denim jacket on the. Oh bike. my goodness me! Yes, gimme, gimme, gimme! And uh, there's one downside to this, which is that they don't have a high resolution version of the image, so it is uh, kind of blurrily pixelated. It's clear; it has the look of a picture that's been enlarged. Resolutions didn't exist in 1995. Pictures just were the size that they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hey, Sonic and Knuckles, good logo. Yes. We got a pinup of it. There you go. Time for a comic. <laughs> yes. Control <laughs> Um, what, I mean, Megadroid's got nothing, does he? No. Welcome to another edition. Here we are. Here's what's in it. STC's Hedgehog Host with the Most gets the issue underway. Yeah. Megadroid. Not a hedgehog. You're the host with the most. Yeah. Sonic's not the host. The hedgehog isn't a host. The host isn't a hedgehog. 
Pick one, Megadroid. <laughs> well, he's talking about Sonic because he wants to say that it's a, that Sonic's getting the comic underway with his strip because it's the first thing. But yeah, he's the host. Yeah, yeah. We got uh, Sonic. We got Kid Chameleon. We got Knuckles. We got Sparkster launching into the second part of his Out of This World series. Chaotix is under the Review Zone microscope. Plus, there's a pinup on the back page. Which they, he says is sure to be the fastest stick up in the West. All right, Dad. Yeah, I appreciate that to a degree because you stick it up. Again, I've said it before. If you're going to do that, you've got to have a whole Western themed control zone. You know what I mean? They've got to all be jokes about that. <laughs> I mean, in isolation, it's just a, it just reads like a dad joke. Yeah, like something your mum or dad would have said. Yeah, it's like uh, whenever my mum wants to describe a busy shop, you know, <laughs> where everyone's over climbing over the top or jammed, it, she'll always say it was like a bun fight at OK Corral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, down the middle is an odd one, though. It gives us absolutely <laughs> nothing to talk about, but it's just <laughs> photos of readers' pets. That they've named Sonic. Well, yeah, it's, so here's what it says. There's only one Sonic, dot, 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 or is there? At least that was the case until boomers began honouring their pets with the name. A Sonic and Knuckles disposable camera will be awarded to each snap-happy human who gets their photograph in print, get snapping. And yeah, sure enough, there's a picture first of a budgie and then of a hedgehog. And, you know, the implication is that these pets are shown because they're named Sonic, but the photos yeah. themselves are unannotated, so we just have to take their word for it. I mean, uh, Sonic the Budgie is the title bar of the thing. Exactly. So, yeah. The whole premise is that these animals are here because they are called Sonic. Yep, that's it. That's the gag. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yep, there we go. To be honest, though, I do still like having photos from readers in the control zone oh yeah i prefer them here to uh, we can have this here and then we can have drawings in the graphic zone later instead of swapping the the graphic zone out for photos for so the photos like they've zone. done once or twice before you know i think i prefer photos too uh fan art you know because they are real portals into the time we're trying That's to connect true. with here yes. you know what i mean well, you, can... you know a, fa a fan art can be that too We've, it can how many, be you know how many era-specific football strips if we've seen drawings of. Just because it's a portal we don't understand and can't yeah. make heads or tails of. <laughs> Wouldn't recognise it at all. Sure, yeah. But yeah, no, here is a... There is a budgie that lived at the time of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> and its name was Sonic, and it belonged to Rebecca Anderson of Stockton on Tees. Yep, and the hedgehog, we don't know who that belongs to, but they're from Bogner Regis. The Charts. There's a couple of things coming into the Mega Drive charts. We've got a new entry at two for balls. There's just balls. Something about the Z at the end of that. There's <laughs> there's no balls. It's just the way it comes, it rolls off the tongue. You know? Balls. A load yeah. of balls. <laughs> Marco's Magic Football and Pugsy have both jumped back into the top ten at eight and ten, respectively. Must Smells have been like on a sale. discounted price. Eternal Champions sitting still at number five. FIFA's down to four. Uh, but the Winter Olympics are up to one. It's so. gone up to one, yeah. Uh, I mean, and now what, what month is this? This is June. June, So why yeah. has the Winter Olympics jumped up? Maybe it's for the same reason that ice cream becomes popular in June, you know? Uh, <laughs> Perhaps you're trying to emulate coldness. The cold weather makes everybody feel cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I played a lot of ice cap zone around then, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Beware Predicto, written by Lou Stringer, art by Casanovas, colours by John M. Burns, letters by Ellie DeVille. Robotnik and Grimer create Predicto, a new super trooper badnik with the power to predict everything Sonic and the Freedom Fighters will do next. Strange, isn't it? 
Predicto attacks Sonic and Co. <laughs> Predicto attacks Sonic and Co. while they're in the middle of a visit to the floating island to ask Knuckles to join their team and lives up to his name, anticipating their every move. So Sonic does something he'd never usually do. He gives up! Unable to compute this illogical action, Predicto overloads and explodes. You know how we've said before, through no fault of their own, yeah. That as children, yeah. we tended to view the Lou Stringer stories that came after the Kitching and Elson epics yeah. as the filler as we waited for the next time. And how, going back to them as adults, we appreciate the craft of them, I think, much more than we did when we were children. Yes. But then you read a story like this, and it's <laughs> like, we weren't wrong to have that opinion as kids, or at the very least, you could understand with 100% clarity why we thought that of them. I mean... Listen, first of all, Casanova's art. Ooh. I mean, I've yeah. missed a bit of Casanova's. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And what a lovely... Like, it's almost like they either knew he was going to be drawing it, or when they discovered it was going to be set in the Mushroom Hill Zone... Oh, my God. They yeah. decided to bring him on. Because once Casanova's again... Casanova's drawing a Mushroom Zone. Oh, these beautiful oh. fantasy land, forest, smurfy landscapes. Casanova's has no idea what the Mushroom Hill Zone is. Oh, not is. in this... Well, specifically, it's called the Mushroom, mushroom Valley. Valley here, not yeah. the Mushroom Hill Zone. But yeah. That always stuck with me. I think I always thought of it as like, oh, yeah, that's what the place is really called, but it's the Mushroom mm. Hill Zone. You know how it's like, you know, oh, Emerald Hill is a place. And it's called the Emerald Hill Zone. And then Mushroom Valley is the main landmark in the Mushroom Hill Zone. No, Casanova's mm. has never seen it. And it doesn't matter because he's Casanova. Oh, so he's going to draw a fantasy mushroom It's brilliant. Look at, ugh, I mean, it's just some lovely drawings of mushrooms and stuff. But there's this one on, I think it's page, uh, page five, where the angle of the panel is just, it's uh, focused on a snail on top of a mushroom in yeah. the foreground. And then the action is happening in the background. And yeah. it's just... Oh, it's just lovely. It's oh, so good. And there's nothing wrong with the story. It's a mm -hmm. fun little story that will be perfectly at home in an episode of the Adventures cartoon. It's a plot that mm -hmm. has... It, there's nothing original about the plot, let's be honest here. You know, we've seen the robot overloaded by being confronted with an impossible action innumerable mm -hmm. times yeah. in fiction. But it just doesn't sit in... We are just off the... The greatest story that this comic would maybe ever publish, <laughs> in which concluded with the massive uprooting of yeah. the Emerald Hill folk to the floating island in secret, now protected by a force field to keep outsiders off of it. Yeah. And in this one... Here we just casually are... The Freedom Fighters come to the Mushroom Hill Zone to ask Knuckles to join up with them, and Sonic doesn't want to because he's been doing fine without him, even though they literally just got through working together yeah. and just relied on him to save the lives yeah, he, of the Emerald Hill folk. Two minutes ago, he was surfing on Knuckles through the sky in order to survive the Death Egg. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and Predictor was just able to turn up on the island when it should be fully protected. Yeah, the, I mean, there's no way that this was written knowing what's just happened in the comic. We just got through being thrilled to our little cotton socks by the Sonic and Knuckles saga. And in a way that will remain, our little cotton socks are still blasted off by that one. Exactly. <laughs> they remain fused to the wall wherever we happen to be. Because <laughs> what's, yes, what's happened here is you've got various people making the comic and most of them are just making a comic. They're making a yeah. kid's comic of the sort that came out. And then you've got Nigel Kitching. Generally speaking, 
he's making the comic that we were particularly yeah. into. Everyone else is just making a good, normal kids comic. And it opens with something sinister is going down in Dr. Robotnik's special zone base. And that doesn't read as odd now, but in about 20 pages it's gonna. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even occur to it. I don't think we pointed it out at all in the last couple of episodes, but the Sonic's brother storyline, the Sonic's World two-parter we had in the last couple of yeah. issues, you know, that was Robotnik's base on the Death Egg. So oh. that was set quite some time before when it was published, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. It had to be set at least uh, seven issues ago before yeah. Sonic came to the Floating Island to be in the Sandopolis zone. And, you know, that's the sort of... It makes me wonder, like, when people talk about um, collecting Sonic the comic and trade paperbacks and how nice it would be for IDW to do that. Yeah. But first of all... You wouldn't have the ads. But second of all, <laughs> you can't just collect the Sonic strips. Oh, yeah. Even if you're just collecting Sonic storyline, you have to collect all the other Sonic-related stories as well. Yeah. And then you have to figure out how to put those into a collection mm -hmm. in an order. You know, that means you got to figure, you got to put Ice Cap Attack after the end of the Knuckles strip because mm -hmm. the Knuckles strip follows on directly, you know, assuming you print all the parts in order yeah. and not splice them all up. And that's just the way my brain works. But... Yeah, there. Yeah, it's an unfortunate little complication that is visited upon an otherwise quite fun strip. Yeah. You know, this bit here at the very we beautiful Frankenstein type scene to open oh, the issue. Look at the look at the lab. Amazing. Oh, the walls, the techno greeblies, the sort the of wires, medical imagery everywhere. There's mm. there's a sort of in the bottom panel, which is the big one of them over the body of the Frankenstein. There's um a sort of a like a, in the bottom right hand corner like a sea mine looking thing that's connected to him and it's almost like his you know like his heart lying on the table there's all electricity coming out of it and bringing him to life and stuff there's so many details everywhere that's the thing Casanovas could have got away with and and not even got away like it would have still been good art if he just blocked out the general shapes of this equipment and left it there but instead yeah. this is one of those artists who can just put. A seemingly unlimited number of little details on yeah. machinery. Full Kirby. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to know how they do that. Because, like, whenever I try, I'm like, I do a, you know, a right angle little thing and then I draw a circle and then I'm like, oh, <laughs> I haven't got anything else. finished, you know, <laughs> yeah. But they're able to put it all on there and it, it all looks like there are circuits and pieces mm. and dials and knobs and bumps and parts. that It doesn't look like... They've just casually scribbled in a load of nonsense. No, it looks like proper working mechanical something that you'll never understand. Like when you do see like real complicated machines, and you look at it. I can remember the the, the when I was back back in back in day back when I was reading back these comics. We had a, a woodwork class, and we had this little you know woodworking luxury. Area. You had woodwork. Oh, we yeah. had make do with cutting down trees by hand, <laughs> just chopping them. Well, there was this piece of machinery that I never I I never saw anyone get a go on. I don't know what it was for. I don't know what it did, but it was this. It was this Casanova's machinery. There was little bits and dials and adjustable things coming out of it all over the damn place and you would just stand there like if the, you know, if the teacher wasn't looking you'd just dial bits of it and turn little cranks <laughs> and just fiddle with it because none of it did anything it would just like what is this <laughs> and that's what i'm looking at here and it's beautiful we get the same design philosophy at work with predicto himself because predicto mm. is just a souped up trooper badnik yeah like the one that we saw in casanova's last story um the badnik's bridge story back at the start yeah. of the year 
So it's a trooper burdening, but it's a bit different. He's mm-hmm. got big shoulder pads. He's got like uh, electrodes for ears and at the top of his head. And there's a constant like crackling halo of electricity between uh, them. Yeah, because he's thinking, isn't he? He's got an advanced yeah. intellect. And there's his thoughts crackling around his head. I never thought of that. I was concentrating on the um, the sort of the the beautiful gold trim around his mm-hmm. epaulets. And like yeah. he's got a big... A big ruby, uh, circular ruby inserted in his uh, chest plate there. He just looks like he's gleaming. He looks polished. And that, yeah, that makes me think of, yeah, like what the uh, the badniks that Casanovas drew before were. I have named the robot Predicto in reference to his powers of prediction. <laughs> Hilarious, I'm sure. <laughs> That's a good line. That's a, a good, good line. line. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so he's one of these. He's one of these who now we've had before in um, in metallics. We've had the you know seventy eight percent possibility of yes. success or whatever. But this guy is specifically he, he doesn't have to be looking at you. He can just know. He's like right based on all the information we've got about Sonic. I bet he's on the floating island. I bet he's saying this right now to Amy. I bet that I bet he's looking at a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, this comic about a talking hedgehog fighting a robot isn't particularly realistic it's not hard know? science fiction is it and I think that was the, always the problem with Sonic the comic that's, that's my main critique Casanovas's depiction of Sonic feeling a little off here and there in this one though that, that yeah. head on panel yeah. on page 3 oofa yeah but the sidelong panels are all looking well. Yeah, it's all fine, isn't it? Um, that panel there on page four where Predicto gives him a wallop, an open-handed slap. Yeah. <laughs> Just smacks him out of the uh, spin dash. And it, cause it's an expression you don't see STC Sonic pull very often. He's just alarmed and shocked and surprised and very put out about the whole thing. Yeah. Of course, there's one definitely wrong drawing of Sonic here that Casanovas has done. Ooh, bottom yeah, of page I was waiting to see if you were going to bring it up or if I was going to have to six, get there first. We have. Yeah. Eyelid watch. We haven't had an eyelid watch in a while, have we? I haven't had the cause. No, I never got around to making the jingle for it. But eyelid watch. Casanovas does understand that the whole eye is eye. Because he colours, you know, when he's got his eyes closed, which he has, both eyes closed. No, hang on, hang on. Go on. Does Casanovas understand that? Or does John M. Burns, who coloured it, understand that? Oh, I never thought of that! You're absolutely billions of percent right. That is what it is. John M. Burns gets it. He colours the whole eye area blue. Because what what has happened here is... Yes! Casanovas has drawn Sonic with his goggles, and like in the cartoons, really, Mm. uh, because that happened in the cartoons, what's happened is Sonic's pupils have closed, as it were. A pair of eyelids within the monogoggle have come down just over the pupils. Mm. It's truly heinous. But don't just imagine two little lines. We're talking... Oh, no, no. Full-on eyelids with eyelashes. With the bulge of the eye, eyelashes, everything. It's like two well-drawn closed eyes. But they're inside the blue of his closed eye. It's it's revolting. They're inside the orb of his eye, his Mm. monogoggle. And John M. Burns has coloured the whole thing in blue. As opposed to, like, maybe just making the bit that's supposed to be white, white, and then putting eyelid colouring. Yeah, ooh, it's... John's it, John's ooh, made the right decision ooh, there. That's the best yeah, he could he do. Has. It has helped recover slightly from the... You know, if I'm John oof. M. Burns, if I'm John M. Burns, I'm being cheeky here, I'm actually tip-exing out all but the closed eye lines with the eyelashes. <laughs> I'll leave them, but I'm tip-exing out the eye bulges and I'm just colouring it all in. No, it's funny because you look at the penultimate panel there and from a distance it's absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah, because he hasn't got the bulges, that's what I mean, yeah. It works fine, doesn't it? About the fact that the eyelids are blue when they should be flesh-coloured. Well, but, uh, ah, yes, well, there is that. But to be honest, I think that even if he'd coloured the final panel, if he'd coloured them all in flesh, 
it would look worse somehow. Mm. I don't know how exactly, but it just would. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Yeah, I never thought of that before, that John M. Burns, that, yeah, it's a separate colorist. So now mm. I'm looking at it again, and the, the sheen on Grimer's face in panel two of the whole comic, Ooh, yes. The again, I said that Predicto looks really shiny, and that's not fully, but partly down to the coloring. Yeah. Yeah, you can see some of it's in the line art, but yeah. but uh, like that shot of Grimer, yeah, standing over in panel two, page one, yeah. just uh, the... the the al- it's a live moment. Yes. You know? I have created the ultimate trooper, and the light from the electricity is shining up, illuminating his face. Mm-hmm. It's good. Oh, I like the little pen in his pocket. Never even saw it. No. I wonder if he's always got that, or if that's just something that Casanova's dropped in here. It's just good. He's re- it's really good. <laughs> I was going to say that we've said it a few times at this point. It's clear that the Elson material is being passed around as reference, and I think that comes through with Knuckles, because uh, mm. Casanova's Knuckles might be. The best uh, looking of the various Casanova's depictions of the Sonic family of characters? Yes, he's got... Uh, there's one panel where he looks a bit weird, which is the one where Predictor basically throws him away. Yeah, but he's he's uh, he's supposed to be like landing face first in the mushroom, exactly, so he's a bit yeah. squunched up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's managed to... And that's a surprise, because Knuckles is the weirdest shaped one of them. Yeah. And uh, he's managed to get that right. Um, there's a printing error on page three. I, I don't mean there's mm-hmm. anything, you know, There's. I don't mean a, a typo. I mean, it's just printed badly. And as the further down the page gets, the, the lines start to just sort of separate off and it starts getting blurry until right in the bottom right hand corner there, Sonic, he literally has like every outline is doubled. It's the, yeah, yeah. it's, it's like the anything. thing where the color separates out from the inks, but yeah. But it's the ink separating out from themselves, like it's been overlaid twice and misaligned. A double exposure. Yeah, it's, it's very weird. But it has a, an interesting effect, which is that, um, I don't know if this will show up in the in the uh, scans, anyone looking at the scans at home, but the first panel, the text of their dialogue is actually a kind of light grey. And then in the next panel, where we're close up to them, it's black. So it's almost like an effect, like the further away they are, they've got yeah. this dimmer it's like you can hardly hear them but uh, unfortunately then it goes wrong because then they're talking gray in the next close-up panel as well so oh well something odd went on there oh man i don't you know what just as i'm looking in detail at this page mm. i don't know if i've ever 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 noticed predicto popping out from behind the tree in panel three yes now i did this time but i never did before yeah it's just a tree and if you really look carefully in that corner there's just the shape and with little here i am lines around his beep, head beep, beep. yeah yeah like someone like, as if he's surprised but in this case it's here he is Loads of cool stuff happens. Yeah, it's just an action sequence otherwise, yeah. you know, but uh, it's, uh, there's not much to like pick apart. But yeah, fun, like as you say, open hand slap knocks him out of the spin attack. That's great. You know? I, I like the bit where Sonic goes, uh, predict this, and he goes, already did, and Sonic wonks into a tree. I love it. It's a whole a big panel as wide as the page. Sonic revs into a huge big run. Yeah. He does a, an action hero yeah. line, fist out. You figure this is the <laughs> moment where he gets the collision. Hey, Shellhead, predict this. And then the next panel is pretty just steps to the side. <laughs> Already did. It just runs straight into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I love the bit, which is it's the next thing that happens, where he just predicts, oh, I bet Knuckles will be underground about to attack me here. And he just rams his hand into the ground and rips Knuckles out. That's so it's a cool. Great looking panel, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he really just dives his fist in there. That's the one. The one where he's plunging his uh, fist into the ground is the one where there's a little bit of extra space, so Casanova's has allowed himself to just, you know, focus on a snail close-up. Mm. I'll tell you what it's like. It's like that, um, when he drew that squirrel in a little waistcoat. 
quite yeah, close yeah. up. So I guess this is an artist who likes to put a little little animal guy close up. The problem is, at first reading, I did think that the snail was the local inhabitant attempting a sneak attack <laughs> that Victor was talking about. That was getting all fussy about a snail. But uh, whatever, I'll let you off. Then he lifts up this big rock. He's going to crush Sonic under it. Prepare to die. And Sonic's like, okay, you win. Go ahead. Yes. He can predict every move I make. I can't beat you. I give up. Destroy me. <laughs> and then that's it. Predictor snaps. Input data on Sonic. Cool. Dedicated. Would never surrender. <laughs> never surrender. <laughs> it does not compute. Explode. I wonder. Do we still do those? I bet we do. I bet those are still in cartoons and comics now. I couldn't tell you. Oh the last wait a minute. I saw one. I can tell you exactly the last time I saw it. It was like a through line all the way through the flipping Mitchells versus the machines. Oh well, yeah, it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've come to the floating island to ask Knuckles to join the team, which, mm. as, as we said, it's it's an outdated notion. You know, yeah. they're just the way Knuckles is always barking to get them off the island. And I'm like, there's a whole village of them just over the hill there. You know? Yeah. Looks like you and Knuckles will never be friends. Oh, never say never. The coolest thing about me is that I'm always unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> Next, the great escape. Um, not remembering it. I think... This is the one that gives us Citadel Robotnik. Well, I think that as well, but I have further evidence. <laughs> but we've been wrong there before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so yeah, this is a perfectly fine, funny little strip with beautiful art that just falls at an unfortunate point. Refuse It's Chaotix by Nick Protz. Do you know one of my favorite things about this is, so it kicks off, this is a double page spread, review zone. Yeah. No, just a one review in the review zone. New logo for the 32X and everything oh, there under yeah. the... Uh, under the uh, yeah. Oh, they'll be using that a lot. I felt for certain that we were going to get a press release review where they just list mm. off all the new zones and the new characters. Joining Knuckles are several brand new characters. Yeah. Rather than reveal who they are here, check out Knuckles' own story this issue. And I was like, oh, a masterful move from Mr. Protz there to save some column inches. Yeah, some save some column inches to make you desperately turn to see it. To save the surprise for later in the column. I'm I'm complete. Whatever the actual reason why he did that, I'm really happy he did it. (laughs) Turns the whole thing into a slightly interactive adventure, isn't it? We've got the cover going, who is Chaotix? We open up here to the review and it's like, oh, but wait, but wait, friends, wait, no. And then you have to get onto the strip. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I've got one reason why I'm not happy they did that. Because wouldn't this have been better in your, not now, not for us, but in your hands as a kid, wouldn't it have been better? if the sprite of each of the new characters had been dotted around this page so you can get a good look at them, you know? And to do that, they'd have to have named them. They'd have to put a name underneath them. Yeah, because there are only sprites, uh, screenshots of Mighty and Vector as it is. Well, that's the thing. And they're quite bad screenshots. They're really interlaced and blurry and and over something. They're not, they're not, you can't really see what you're looking at. I mean, I've seen worse. They're quite brightly colored. Yes. That's all I got. I like how saturated they are. I like how big and saturated they are. That's it. I think this is a camera pointed at a screen situation. Unless, well, I suppose they don't look bulgy. So maybe not. They don't have the curvature. But they don't look like 
They should. They don't. You know what I mean? They don't look like good screenshots either. So something's mm-hmm. up with how these are being produced. The major difference between Chaotix and previous Sonic-type platformers is that you are linked to another character. An energy stream between two gold rings acts like a rubber band. It remains intact through all the action except in the event of a direct hit. At no point can you disengage from your partner. I'm going to play this game one of these days because t- to this day I still don't really yeah. get it. This review makes me want to play the game in a way that, like, nothing other than the screenshots ever has. Like, the way he's talking about... uh, Here we go. Learning how to master and manoeuvre the two Link characters can be tricky at first. However, thanks to some excellent online help, whatever that used Uh, to mean in the 90s... I think he just simply means... uh, Because you're on a line. He's talking about the character... Yeah, the characters are on on a line (laughs) from one another. Oh, right. I was thinking it meant, like, tutorials. But yeah, it could just mean that you're helped. Yeah, Yeah, You'll soon learn... How to pull off spectacular leaps, amazing bursts of speed, and a neat slinky type effect. And that is making me imagine, you know, you one guy goes over and the other one goes over down something. Yeah. It sounds cool. I can see why they thought it would be a good idea. And this this was we okay. The context for this, the cultural context for this, dear listener, if you have if you if you hmm. haven't been listening to our whole series and you've just jumped, jumped on board recently, Sonic had been by himself. And then it was Sonic and Tails, and that was a good thing. And then Knuckles came in, but he wasn't playable, he was an enemy, and that was a good thing. Now he was playable, that was a good thing. This was the first time that Sega dumped a load of extra Sonics into a Sonic game, and it was a good thing still, because that hadn't been overplayed yet. So this was like an embarrassment of riches. We're going to get all of these extra guys, and you have to be a member of the the Illuminati to ever see them. (laughs) (laughs) Only the elite have the 32X anyway. So, like, they're out there. Kind of like with Metal Sonic and Amy Rose. They're out there, but you'll never get to see them unless you read Sonic the comic. Yay! So it still felt good. It felt like these were special treasure chest characters that are out there to be found somehow someday so yeah i was all that's my opinion anyway what about you chris no that's yeah that mirrors uh my feelings mm. as you say it was it was an organic build mm. you know sonic one you were sonic sonic two added a new friend sonic three bought a new character in but you couldn't play as him yet then sonic and knuckles were like i know you can play as the body guy from the yeah. third one and it was like ooh, exciting and then this was and here are some more here are some more and this is where it should have stopped it's only, <laughs> you know, it's interesting that like the Sonic series has this reputation for continuously adding characters, but they really haven't added very many after this. That's true, yeah. I mean, what did you get? Like, Adventure added Big, Big and... Oh, Shadow, Rouge. Silver. Yeah, Adventure 2 was Shadow and Rouge. And and weirdly, like, and please don't cancel me for this, but I can't think of Omega, like, as a character on the same level, even though... I mean, he is, and he shows up in comics and things with Rouge and Shadow as a team and everything. But we had... What was the one from Adventure called? This is it. This is why I think it is. In Sonic Adventure, they did bring in this sixth or whatever number it was character, which was E-102 Gamma. And then at the end of that game, that character died, but they still kind of wanted him in it. So they put in Omega. And it's just another robot. To me, he looks identical. I know there are design differences, but I've never examined them. Oh, no. Well, he, Gamma was like, had a gun arm, and he was like the little wiry gun arm guy. And Gamma is the bruiser. He's, He's bigger, is he? All right, fine. Not Gamma, Omega. I can't even get their names right. That's how little I... This is know. it. He looks basically the same to me. And what it means is that you might as well swap out any robot. 
and put a robot in. And so, you know, it's tricky to for him to matter in your head. It's like nobody cares or remembers about the fact that Heavy and Bomb are two mm. other characters in the Chaotix game. Who ever talks about them? No. I mean... And I grant you, from yours and my perspective, that's because they weren't in the comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we observed last issue, Kitching couldn't find out anything about them, so he didn't <laughs> put them in the comic. <laughs> well, and because the next time the games had an opportunity to bring in a heavy and bomb, they made up a new one, didn't they? Oh, uh, Orbot, Orbot and Cubot. Yeah. That's the scratch and grounder of that game. Who themselves feel like knockoffs of Boko and Deco from Sonic X, anyway. Oh my god, oh, I'd forgotten like They're them. just desperate to have Robotnik have comedy henchmen. Scratch and grounder every time. Let's just write. That's where that's where it started with. It started with scratch and grounder. Let's do a quick Kickstarter to replace all of those different characters in all of those things with scratch and grounder across the board. <laughs> but then that's the thing is, you know, like why why couldn't any of these series, like say Sonic X, yeah. the first one that really gave him two comedy henchmen, why couldn't they use Heavy and Bomb? Because mm. they used everyone else from the game. Exactly. Yeah. Probably because Heavy and Bomb hadn't factored into the new twenty first century world of modern Sonic that they chose not to. Yeah. But. You know, if they had, it would all come back to the games and then they could have kept on using them on into the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, it's always just, I mean, okay, Orbot and Cubot have won out now. Uh, yes. You know, and they've been in the game since Sonic Colors and they've been in the Sonic Boom cartoon and everything. Mm. But yeah. Anyway, that feels like we've tangent enough to talking <laughs> about our problems with Sonic and why Sonic is rubbish now and everything. <laughs> so anyway. It's good. Sonic's good. Yeah, it is. No promise. <laughs> anyway, we conclude here. Chaotix puts the red dreaded one firmly into red video game one. Superstar League. Watch out Sonic. It offers a decent challenge and remains true to the Sonic tradition of great platform games. A good excuse for finally getting that 32X hat on you've been promising yourself. Oh, and I reckon yeah. a lot of us did have that same mindset you know, it was like if oh, there yeah. was ever if there was any reason to get a thirty two X, it surely had to be to play the Sonic adjacent game. Had have. It's still in there. My yeah, if I ever own a thirty two X, this is why. And we never did. Nope. The end. <laughs> Graphic Zone. Ah, uh, Dave. Hello. You know, Graphic Zone, I love the Graphic Zone. Uh-huh. But sometimes they don't give you a lot to work with, do they? <laughs> they don't, do they? Sonic and Tails get in some tennis practice to coincide with Wimbledon fever. So we have four pictures of Sonic and Tails. Two Sonics, two, two Tails. Tails. Two Sonics. <laughs> and they're wearing white. Just wearing wearing white. Uh, well, we've got one from Angeline Adams. It's Tails in a white t-shirt and shorts with a racket and tennis ball. We've got one from Carolyn Croft from Liverpool. It's Sonic in a white t-shirt and shorts with a tennis racket and a tennis ball. Mm -hmm. We've got one from Gillian McMahon from Sterling in Scotland. Mm -hmm. It's Sonic with a headband and a tennis racket, but he's naked in his sin. <laughs> and uh, and they're all just perfectly fine drawings. And then? And then the, the one that I find interesting. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm glad. That, yes, I can, I can tell by your tone you're with me on this one. From Daniel Winston in Liverpool, we have... What is visibly cropped <laughs> from a larger picture that also yeah. includes Sonic because we can just see a couple of his spikes sticking in from the left-hand side yeah. is Tails in a white tank top and shorts, a belt perhaps? Yeah. 
And uh, uh, this, to me, reads more Rambo than tennis. That's exactly what it is. Yes, this isn't a tennis picture at all. <laughs> He's got a red bandana, but it's knotted at the side. It's not a sweatband around his head. No. It's a bandana tied around his head. It's absolutely a Rambo. That might even be an ammo belt strapped around yeah, his waist. I, I, it's hard to tell. This so. is another one of those times where they had three tennis pictures <laughs> and they needed to make a fourth one work. Like that one from the exercise graphic zone a couple of issues ago where it was Sonic <laughs> balancing on a funny unicycle and they decided to consider that an exercise themed picture yeah, just to make yeah. up the space yeah 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 that and I, I, in fact i'm annoyed here because yeah jillian mcmahon who <laughs> thanks to the font even in the print edition it just looks like g and then four lowercase l's and then Anne. <laughs> maybe she's welsh but um <laughs> she's drawn badniks in the background and they've cropped them off yeah, completely. yeah oh no it's it's a caterpillar and a palm tree uh, yes but they've cropped them off in a way that's quite you know just ruinous like you can see that she was trying for something and they just haven't allowed it it just comes across as mean but yes i wonder what if tails was rambo i wonder what sonic was that's the question wait wouldn't it be funny if it wasn't rambo wouldn't it be funny if Sonic was Predator? Something like that, yeah. You know, Sonic or Terminator or it's some kind of 80s action movie yeah. vibe here coming off Tails. There's nothing Tennessee about that. Okay, let's zoom in on some of the details. Um, Sonic, the one who's naked in all his sin, yeah. he's got a big ass. Jillian <laughs> <laughs> has drawn a separate big arse on him that has no precedent because it's not part of the circle that is his body. She's just no, drawn no. a great big big arse on him. She's drawn a great big bum. Yeah. <laughs> He's like kind of kneeling under the weight of it <laughs> on one foot. Oh dear. got <laughs> a big arse. I'm sure that there's plenty of pictures online of Sonic's big arse. Oh, I'm sure there are. But it's difficult to figure <laughs> out where to put it, you know? Um, but that's... I mean, that says... Well, well, he's got a sweatband on his head, and it's what it says on it is Wimbledon 94. And then someone with a different <laughs> pen has written a five over the top of the four. And I don't know if that's something Gillian did before sending it in because it was a mistake. I suspect someone at the comic did that because it's like, it's clearly a different pen, or at least it was written yeah. after the... The red was colored. Well, yeah, in. that's what I was going to say. It looks like she maybe drew the line, yeah. colored over it, and then when the coloring was done, yeah, but, yeah, whoever did it, it's been applied after the coloring. Yeah, it was the last thing that was done. Uh, oh, there's something written on his uh, on his tennis racket's handle. Actually, uh, it could just be Sonic, but I don't think it is. Solo Solano. I don't know. I don't know what you would write on a tennis racket. Then it could be a brand name. Yeah, exactly. We've seen instances of that before. Tennis uh, fans like listening, tell us what tell us what tennis racket brands they used to be in 1995. <laughs> it's like this one up above from Carolyn Croft. Yeah, uh, he's got a little uh, a little Lacoste style uh, logo on his left breast, uh -huh. and uh, it's the STC logo. Yeah, and that's nice. Yeah, the that little nice. triangle. So, lots of pens to them. Well done, everybody. Oh, hang on. I just want to point something out here that this is. So the, the Rambo one by Daniel Winston, it's mm. not that great of a drawing, but this is someone who's taking art seriously because I've just noticed he's penciled it and then he's inked over it. And there's various evidence for that. You know, you can just see the pencils yeah. coming through. And I just, I remember that was my first step on the road to knowing how to draw properly was when someone <laughs> told me to do that. So I always, I always notice it when kids are doing that. It means they're taking art seriously. seriously. Well done, Daniel. Kid Chameleon. Back 
to Unreality, Part 1, written by Michael Cook, with art by Brian Williamson, colors by Steve White, and letters by Tom Frame, the classic creative team reunited. It's been a fortnight since Casey and Susie escaped Wildside, but Brad remains missing, having never emerged from the game. At Susie's urging, Casey returns to Wildside to rescue him, using his chameleon powers to adopt the form of the most triumphantly non-heinous hoverboarding <laughs> sky cutter to tackle the first round of baddies the game throws at him. Ooh, I like Kid Chameleon! <laughs> I think it's okay, he's a bit stupid. God, that's CI... No, I'll tell you what it is again. It's that CITV drama. Vibe. Yeah, it's, it's a, that it Tomorrow that. People vibe. Yeah. And that is what I've... And it's weird because I didn't like those shows mm. a huge amount as a kid. You know, I watched them. Mm. But there's... I don't know if I don't know if it's like then a, a nostalgic like juice that's just pumping uh, yeah, through absolutely. my brain as, as a result of that. Even though I... But... It's the same as with the, the first episode of the first serial, beginning with him in his bedroom and his mum pulling the plug on the console yeah. and shooting him outside. I'll ring dad, I'll ring Childline. This one here is him ducking PE to play a video game around the back of the bike sheds. Yeah, and when the, and the PE teacher comes out and nicks his system, he's playing Sonic Chaos on it, but it's not a Game Gear and it's just called his yes, system. The, yeah. I wonder if he wrote Game Gear. I know, that's what I'm wondering. And they had to change the dialogue to system whenever it was apparent that, he had, that the artist had, had not a drawn game a Game Gear. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And the, But when that PE teacher comes out, and it's just dialogue between him and her and Casey, like, yeah, that CITV thing, you can hear their voices, you can hear the backing soundtrack, which is that a man on a keyboard made to sound a bit like a flute goes... Doodle-a. And then on the other end of his keyboard, made to sound like a glockenspiel, he goes brung in a kind of mystery chord. This whole thing it keys in exactly with what we were watching at the time. And not just that, but specifically, it has all the energy of the second series of a CITV drama. The way it, <laughs> it does, begins yeah. with the understanding of everything that already happened before and it plows directly into the premise. Yeah, you can imagine the camera panning across the playground and this voice being like, you know, it's been two weeks since I did the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even beyond that, the good stuff in here, you mm. know, like, so Casey's out here playing the game. We have this opening narration. I just sped through a world of fantasy, flew in jet boots, fought robots, and almost got killed twice in one lunchtime. I'm okay. It was all harmless. This is sonic chaos on my system. <laughs> That's good because I didn't know what was happening at first, and it was like flew in jet boots. I didn't have what's going. On? Oh, oh. <laughs> I was taken in by the fantasy. <laughs> hey, uh, Sonic Chaos fans, do you fly in jet boots in that game? I feel like I remember from screen caps in STC that you did. Oh, I'd love that because I'd love it if they didn't play the game, but they just read the review in STC and put something in based on that. <laughs> But then Susie approaches him and she's like, uh, you haven't seen Brad recently? And in the narration, Casey says, me and Susie never exactly admitted that we met in virtual reality. It all sounds kind of dumb out here in the real world. And you remember that's how the first serial ended mm. on that ambiguous note when he said something that was that, was that weird line about yeah, a golden the, bird in a neon, neon cage, cage that didn't actually make any sense, <laughs> but was still a good line somehow. You know, it was a way of telling her yeah. that, yeah, that was me. We we were in there. That that re that did really happen. Yeah, they still won't they won't admit it like in in so many words to one another. Mm. But she's here to sort of gently sort of suggest to Casey, only he can. He's got to go back into the game and save Brad because that's where he is. But Casey's like, oh, he'll probably turn up, worried about getting detention or something, you know. 
And then the PE teacher shows up. <laughs> um, but again, we now we pointed this out in the first serial, how it does have a weirdly American energy yeah. about it. The look of the characters and everything. I think I said back then that I had to go back and make sure Brad wasn't wearing like a Letterman jacket. Yeah. He was a proper Flash Thompson quarterback type character. And here we get this line about how, oh, the whole school knows Brad's missing, Susie. The track team the track lost team. its last two meetings and the football 11's bottom of the league. Yeah. He is like the, the school star. Yeah, athlete. exactly. It's like he's saying football, but with the tone that you would say, our star quarterback, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Brad's a real hero. You wouldn't catch him sitting on his backside all day playing Space Invaders. I like that line because it, it's like, that's the only video game this old man knows. <laughs> <laughs> Looks a little bit Christopher eccleston in his third panel, I think. Yeah, there's a bit of energy there, mm. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Casey is moved by Susie's plea to return to Wildside, and then it's a bit of action, and there's not much to talk about in that part of the thing. <laughs> He's talking about Wildside, because they have to sort of reintroduce it, because to be fair, it's been yeah. a year or more uh, since... This is issue 54, and, it, and uh, so it's been like 42 issues <laughs> since Kid Chameleon ended. <laughs> That's a ridiculous number. That's incredible. That's almost two years. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he does have to reintroduce it. And the way that the narration reintroduces it is it says, outside, it looks like any old coin-op. But the way the art introduces it is there's a giant pair <laughs> of a, silver automatic doors. It's a huge doors. holodeck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, what, what coin-ops are you playing? <laughs> Welcome, chameleon. You remain the only player to return from Wildside. Apart from Susie. So odd, then. Does that mean that loads of other people are getting lost in it as well? That's what it means. It means that, yeah, that, and that that opened up so many interesting questions. Yeah, every child that has ever stepped through those silver doors, apart from Susie and apart from Casey, have mm. never come back. They're just sucked. It just eats you. What a great CITV series this would be. And actually, I tell you what, it kind of is one. There was one a bit like this, and now I think about it, it's what some of what I'm thinking of is. And it was called... And it was on at the same time as the other thing that was called Finders Keepers. But it wasn't. Don't know it, it wasn't the, you know, Ransack the Rooms show. It oh, was I a, remember that Finders Keepers. Yeah. This wasn't I always that. wanted to go on that. Oh, being God, yeah. Like, Christ, now, get me in there. Um, <laughs> no, this was a, an Australian kids' drama. About this boy who goes to a shopping centre and in the shopping centre they have this weird clock which has like a mechanical man coming out of it and he was doing all this I mean just a bloke dressed up and mm. doing all this stuff the intro sequence was this kid flying through you know like this drawing on the end of page three of flying through the cyberverse it was that mm -hmm. with backward guitar playing Aesthetically, in fact, that music had a lot in common with a particular track on the American Sonic CD album. Maybe that's just me, but I think it's similar. I can't remember what the story was, but yeah, this kid goes into tellies in the shopping centre and is in a sort yeah. of cyberverse. You'd probably like it, I'll find it for you, because you'll watch it and you'll be like, this is like Kid Chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I compared it back when to the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Yeah. And, you know, that question that that poses is the same question I asked for the entirety of the time I ever spent watching mm -hmm. the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, which was, 
Does that mean every other kid who got on that roller coaster got lost in the fantasy world? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and in this... So, does this mean that literally everybody who ever came into the game got pulled into this weird world? Yeah. Or does it mean that only Casey and Brad and Susie ever went in? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Is it one of these things where when they turn up, there is this wild side thing? I choose to think that it's always there and it's eating children and it's up to Casey to essentially <laughs> defeat the machine and they'll all come staggering out. There's so much interesting drama around. Like, they should make a CITV drama of this. Now that you can do this stuff, now that we've got the budget, you can do this kind of thing, computers and all that, right? They should do it. Because RTD should write it. It'd be brilliant. Like, this. Yeah, I could fuck with that. You know, this machine that's eating children, but with the kitchen sink drama of the parents know the kids are going missing. They've been going missing ever since the 90s <laughs> and no parent in town ever talks about it oh yeah <laughs> kid chameleon too oh that'd be so cool it's just been sat there oh that'd be really gathering cool. dust like tron legacy but good where it's like <laughs> the machine's just been there gathering yes. dust and someone reactivates it and it's hungry for more digital flesh Speaking of digital flesh, look at what Casey turns into. Oh, yeah. Once again, massively unlike the sprite from the video game. <laughs> there was a little green and white guy with a little uh, little proper uh, skateboarder helmet and everything. You know, full safety gear. Does this design, is this similar to a specific 90s Marvel superhero or just all of them? Just, I think that's just a general, uh, yes, aesthetic of the era mm. rather than a specific call out like, like we had with Hulk and Iclops he last Samurai. He is a... Miasma of corded muscles. Yep. It's like he looks like a flayed man. <laughs> and that's because his his suit is pure red. Yeah, so, and it's yes. proper like vacuum sucked onto his every rippling muscle. And he's got like a six pack, but he's also got six packs in his armpits. He's got six packs all <laughs> over him. <laughs> he is himself a hundred and fifty six pack. And um when you see him jutting his neck out to the side, there's millions of like corded muscle all over that think of him as a sort of lord zed but instead of the brain <laughs> on the top of his head he's got like a a big surfer flick of floppy blonde yeah. hair well he's wearing a, a a 90s gambit superhero head sock where yes. the face is exposed then it stops at the top at the hairline and the hair is just sprouting out the top and it's a big yes yeah, surfer flick and most of his face is covered up by these giant Big goggles. Sunglass yeah. goggles um, that are yellow. Yeah. Presenting the number one birdacious jetboarding skycutter. <laughs> Upgraded version 2.0. I'm not sure what that means if it's supposed to call up the fact that it looks very different. Maybe. Yeah. Or not. yeah. Yeah. I like these odds. I can hang 10 and destroy 20. <laughs> Total wipeout, man. <laughs> and he says sort of the voiceover which as we recall from the first series remains as standard Casey narrating it yes it's Casey inside his head yeah and he goes in this virtual world things aren't quite as they seem I can change like a chameleon into I don't know how many powered up beings <laughs> just like a chameleon yeah, he's like a chameleon <laughs> <laughs> I never know who I'm going to be next. Yeah, because in this, he isn't collecting a particular power-up. He just says chameleon. Yes, I, as I recall, this serial uh, goes through the remaining uh -huh. characters from the Quite game right. that we had not seen in the first one. As it should. And um, yes. this one spends sort of the majority of the last two pages 
showing you pictures of this new powered up version. The scenario is like some kind of London underground mm. type station where giant monstrous rats come spilling out of the walls. And then at the very end, a load of monster movie type monsters show yeah, up as well. Loads of them. There's a wolfman. There's a sort of a sort of cross between a Nosferatu and a zombie and a rat sort of thing. And a and a punk. Sort and of a as punk. Well. Yeah. There's a guy that's just a big thing of teeth. Now, where have I seen this guy? Oh, um, am I thinking of Zool in the fridge in Ghostbusters? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't look too much like it to me. No, but... I'm not. There's something I've seen that's this. It's like the teeth are wider than anything else. It's just this gnashing thing of teeth with little eyes at the top. I believe I'm thinking of the first puppet you see in Jim Henson's Monster Maker. And there's a fish man. And there's a fish. <laughs> You can only tell he's a fish man because you can just see the edge of his uh, leather jacket that he's got. Yes, leather jacket, yeah. <laughs> They're all, well, yeah, two of them are kind of wearing jackets and one's wearing studded armbands and then the other dude in the middle is just werewolf by night, like from Marvel. He looks yeah. exactly No, like absolutely. It. He's got some jeans on. I mean, this is the thing. This is the most 90s comic, so everybody has to have leather jackets and jeans on. Just a lot. Yeah. And the telepad to end the level is just behind them. Next issue, love it, Ooh. love the line, down amongst the dead men. That is so cool, is that? Is that a 70s rock song or something? What is that? Sounds like it, doesn't I, it? Could I'm be, looking it up. Know? It's the name of an episode of Midsummer Murders, a Warhammer 40,000 ebook, and a song from. Oh, 1728. Well. There you go. It is a drinking <laughs> song, first published then, but possibly of great antiquity. So, frankly, we ought to have heard of it. I don't think so. No, I don't. I, I apologize for nothing. <laughs> I am happy to see this one back. I don't know where it really goes, though. This is this is the thing that I'm trying to remember. I remember where it ends because I'm mad about it to this day. <laughs> but I don't sort of remember like what happens in between. Right. And I think it might be a little bit more procedural than the last uh, the last. Uh, story uh oh, was. do we have a do we have a Shinobi three on our hands then? I hope not. Yeah. but we'll see. I just know that it doesn't have the the wonderful, grounding, low fantasy CITV drama energy that bookended both parts of the first serial that made it feel like a complete experience that gave it the energy that truly brought it to life for me. Because like we, we talked uh, back at the time as how there's probably, I wasn't really into superheroes yet, mm -hmm. but how there was probably that common base like DNA was part of my enjoyment of it. But as an adult, like certainly rather... I mean, I've talked about it in the show, I'm not big into epic fantasy. Yeah. And that's that's an expression of the general things I like in, in fantasy and fiction, being that I'm not big into other worlds with their own uh, stuff and everything. And uh, I prefer low fantasy where the fantastic creeps into the real yeah. world or where a normal person from our world winds up being sent to another world and views it through their eyes mm. instead of the fantasy world just being presented to us as its own entity. That's just, that, that's me. So that kid chameleon having that, energy not simply as a normal person who's been flung into a weird other place but the idea that there is this and i mean you compared it to a, a holodeck goes wrong episode back at the time and i also said i don't like to think of it like that because i prefer to think of it like dungeons and dragons where there is this roller coaster ride there is this arcade game that's really just like a hungry maw to somewhere else that's taking children inside like a little extrusion into our world of something sinister and other and Ooh, I do enjoy it. <laughs> Just a you're going to have uh, heard about this already. Our episode yes. should be out. Yeah, the Sonic Holiday Special. Packed with classic adventures, fast-moving features, and turbocharged pinups. On sale now. So, yeah, it either came out 
this week, the week before, or the week before that. That's right. Sometime in the in the fortnight since the last issue of the comic was released. Yes, and here in the advert, they're enticing us uh, with the fact that they take a special look at the new game, Chaotix. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which yes. Which they've mean, done mm. better in this comic, and there's absolutely no yeah. reason to even suggest that that's going to happen. <laughs> Sonic and Knuckles go head-to-head in a short pair of profiles that are badly paired up against one another. <laughs> yeah, oh well, it's nice to have uh, one. It's good to have a, a bit of Sonic to read. You like a holiday special. Even when he's on holiday, the action never stops for Sonic the Hedgehog. And the thing is, Chris, the reason we needed a Sonic summer special is that we've just finished reading the big Sonic and Knuckles story, and we're back to the normal standard Sonic stories now, so we're not going to get any of the amazing pages of amazing sort of Sonic Rich Nelson stuff that we had before. Oh, no, yeah, not going to have gun. another good page. <laughs> 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 Look at this. Knuckles. Total Chaotix Part 2, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Nelson, letters by Elita Fell. Believing that Knuckles is still in cahoots with Robotnik, the Chaotix crew set out to take him down. Knuckles is gliding, climbing, and strength, allowing him to hold his own against the crew until the Omniviewer finally realizes he's working with outdated info and calls the battle to a halt. Then the heroes suddenly have a far greater concern to deal with when out of the Omniviewer's screen materializes Metallics, the Metal Sonic. Two of him! Ah! Ah! <laughs> Flipping this first page, Chris! Oh! <laughs> just... Daddy! like. I was sure we wouldn't get another page that was as cool as Sonic, the double page spread of Sonic falling and the death egg and the floating. And we have, what, two issues later, something like? Yeah. I mean, no, here's the bit that I was talking about the contradiction okay. in the main strip the special zone yeah. and we see dr robotnik's egg fortress which i don't think we've seen on panel since girl trouble since back in like issue 20 yeah. 21 22 when dr robotnik moved his base of operations to the metropolis zone most people thought that his old egg fortress was left deserted <laughs> did he move his base to the metropolis zone then did he did he because you haven't established that at any previous point he's been working out of the death egg for like the last 20 issues yes that's interesting so that because in the next issue, I think, is when yes, he's going to move his base. The next issue is the story where we establish the yes. construction of his new base in the Metropolis. Interesting. Zone. So Nigel's thinking when he's writing that, that that maybe this will be paired with that story. Yeah, that would make mm. sense. Yeah, because it, it, then you would have read it. Yeah. You would have read that first. Yeah. And uh, and then a, f- a few pages later would have read this. Yeah. But then Predicto has slipped in there in between and it's just gone a bit wonky. Yeah, Nigel failed to predict that. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah but it's a it, this is a three panel page right and the first one mm-hmm. for, which dominates the top of the, the page it's a it's a barrel on the top yeah it's that egg fortress the one that i think we used to call the death egg right did we ever have an, a formally established thing that there's the even though this is kind of how we used to draw the death egg this isn't it now this is this separate thing i don't think we ever thought of this as the death but it looks the same it's the egg-shaped one one window it's got that hole in the top yeah it's got those little satellites that's the thing there's always just the egg for the satellites are the thing that make it different and it's yellow too that's not just a coloring artifact oh really in in, back in girl oh well okay in that case because i thought that it because everything in this panel is yellow so i just thought that was Yeah, yeah but anyway it's there it is floating in Probably one of my favourite special zone illustrations so far, I think. There's just something... I think it's the fact that down here in the corner we have this barren 
planet stroke moon thing with two little points of rock that are casting a massive long shadow. Yeah, big shadow. Makes it look really dramatic. It's really, really cool. They thought his fortress was left deserted. They were wrong. Two streaks of light emerge from the fortress and shoot out in the second panel to lead us into the third panel. Which is... Two metallicses, side by two side. Metallicses. The original design metallics, two of them flying towards us, claws out. One of them's clutching this little, uh, well, I'll call it a microputer. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're just <laughs> blasting through through mad magic space that is the specials. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, Jesus. Yes. Jesus. That's all there like, is to say about Your it. mind was blown. I seem to remember being surprised it was the original model mm, metallics. Mm. Having just recently met the other Feels metallics. like a little step back in, in some way. But it's mm. nice to see him, at least. But I feel like I clocked in my head. Uh-huh. Not that it's revealed in this part, but I feel like I had I realized what was mm-hmm. up, which was, just a couple of issues ago, the new model metallics mentioned an elite yes. brotherhood. Yes. And uh, these... Our two representatives yeah. of that brotherhood. We get to see them. And I suppose when he said that, you could be imagining that all of them are, are different. There's the Sonic CD one, there's the Sonic 3 and Knuckles one, and then mm-hmm. there's whichever other ones Richard Elson makes up or whoever. But something... I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the Dalek watching kid in me. Maybe it's the Power Ranger watching kid in me. But something about them being the same. And we will never know how many of them there are. Because if they're all the same, you can just keep drawing more. That's really just devastatingly cool. I do wonder about the decision to make it the first page. Mm -hmm. Because it's still, it's a huge slam-bam impact. Like, it's certainly a, a, whoa, holy sh**, first page. But wouldn't it have been cool to have the final page where two of them come bursting yes, out of the Omniviewer also? Yeah, I was thinking that. The rest of this comic does build up to the reveal of the two uh, yeah. coming out uh, uh, Yeah, for the characters. But then I thought maybe Kitching was aware of the fact that he had actually already done, only like four issues ago, a final page shock reveal of Metallics. Yeah. And didn't want to repeat the beat that again. probably is it, yeah. Well, look, there's always something to be said narratively for having your readers know more than the characters do. That's true, yes. It doesn't always work. Reveals, surprises are good, but also it's another thing. So that's a good technique. But yes, I know exactly what you mean. It did make me think, shouldn't we have turned the page here to see? Maybe, hey, wait. Maybe that's it. Maybe the format is the thing. He knows he can't have us turn the page to reveal these two metallics at the end of the strip. So I don't think Kitching would know that though. The third strip is a little movable within the comic, oh. you know, because you get Sonic, then you have the review zone, and then you usually have an yeah. ad. Then you have the second strip. But then sometimes th- the number of ads exactly in there mm-hmm. shuffles around a right. little bit. So the third the third strip isn't necessarily always right. beginning on a facing page. But but in this instance, yeah, when you turn the page, it's just an ad. So it's boom, Sonics, boom, Metal Sonics in your face. Whereas if it was the final page, uh, yeah, you'd be seeing the Metal Sonics on the facing page before you finished reading it. You know, you wouldn't miss it. There'd be no way you wouldn't turn the page and go, Yeah. (laughs) So, ultimately, I'm glad that it was where it was, because what a strong... I mean, you'd be tempted to make that the opening to the entire series, but, you know, it just sells the strips so well. Like, you weren't sure what... Like, it's just... All you knew about it was Chaotix, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, suddenly... It's suddenly it's part of the 
the the kitchen tapestry that's been taking form over the last while you know this is the f- mm. i mean we know we noticed years ago now at this point that even in his very first issue kitchen was seeding like he's yeah. in his very first issue he seeded the idea robotnik was going to have a base in the mm-hmm. special zone and a few issues later paid that off and the, and every you know most kitchen stories since then do have tended to feed one into the next you know the carnival night zone began to introduce the freedom fighter concept which fed into girl trouble which then fed directly into sonic terminator then we got the sonic 3 then we got sonic knuckles but this this feels like the first time that uh, it's not just being introduced as it happens yeah. this was a big seed this was kitchen has a big future plot yeah planned already issues and issues ago and he was laying this and this storyline essentially running in this and then back into the main sonic again is the next six seven eight months of the comic <laughs> this begins now directly out of the back of, of sonic and yeah. knuckles so you can even include yeah. that it's just a year of the comic essentially that where one storyline feeds directly into the next there's this brotherhood of metallics thing is going to be the overarching thing in sonic stories now for the next year or so interspersed with loose stringers brutus which is going to run side by side in the main sonic strip and in the sonic's world strips in oh, the back. what a time it's what a time <laughs> what and as i sit here and as i say it with glee and excitement <laughs> my little little hands clenched yeah, until they're white little round fists up <laughs> i wonder what i was even ever talking about when i kept saying over and over that the sonic and knuckles adaptation was as good as it ever got <laughs> really as good again afterwards when i remember <laughs> woo! i mean it's because it gets sonic and knuckles moved the comic up to a level and it stays on that level and the thing is I guess yeah. back then we just expected it to because it had got to that level. But these days you look at it and you go, how did it ever stay there? How did it keep that up? But it did. It's great. And this is perhaps why I was, I've was i never objected to the introduction of all these Chaotix characters because the next thing that happens after we've established those Metal Sonics is we get an introduction one by one of the characters which is yep. delivered to us via the medium of Knuckles fighting them one by one. Yes, Knuckles has a Marvel team-up with Chaotix, where there's yes. a bit of a mistaken identity to start with, and they have a bit of a fight, where, as you say, one by one, we get, here they are, this is Mighty, this is Charmy, this is Espio, this is Vector, they all get a bit of fight, Knuckles beats the piss out of them. Yeah, <laughs> so we get a little one balloon of dialogue to introduce them all, Vector says, you know, Mighty, soften him up a little, you got it, boss. So Mighty's you- the muscle, he's the big guy, he's hard. You've got, um... Oh yeah, now Charmy are ah, now this is something we're gonna have to warn our readers about. Charmy, what we would the way perhaps we would now describe it is he talks like Ned Flanders. <laughs> now that isn't what the what is, it Nigel has said what he was doing there, and I god I can't remember now, but there was a character in another comic. Yes, the character's name was SJ1, or perhaps SJI from the two thousand AD strip Robo Hunter by Alan Wagner. Mighty takes a leap at, at Knuckles, who's floating on an asteroid, and Knuckles just jumps off and glides to safety while Mighty's punch glides with the asteroid and shatters, and Mighty's sent tumbling away. So Vector orders Charmy to go and grab him, and, and uh, Charmy goes, Righty dooty doo! Golly, that Knuckles made a fool out of you, Mighty! That sure is what he did! Oof. So we're going to have some of that. And then uh, next up uh, is Espio, who introduced himself. He says, I'm Espio the Chameleon. I can change into I don't know how many powered up beings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, 
Still can't discern your personality, though, SPO. Sorry. It, what he says is, I can blend into any background. Which yep. he, and because he's invisible at first. So that's yes, he's, that's his power. We don't know quite what his personality is to this day. Yeah. He grabs a hold of him. Big proper hands around the neck. <laughs> but, to be honest, that doesn't even really work, does it? Sonic characters don't have necks. <laughs> uh, no. But, so Richard has had to, like, elongate. He's had to separate Knuckles' head from his body a bit so that this can yeah. work. But yeah, he just... That's, that's what his power is. He just goes, like, right, screw all this. I'm just going to throttle him to death. Yeah. Him. <laughs> and that comes bouncing in to help him, but uh, Knuckles just grabs him and swings him into knack instead and i do like this bit with vector where uh you know so you won't find what is what is uh how does vector's voice sound and i never had a voice oh vector. never known yeah i think when i was a kid i always imagined vector with an australian accent really purely because crocodiles crocodile oh yeah and everything you know but uh but uh he's got that much more recognizable voice in games these days doesn't <laughs> he you know you won't find me so easy oh yeah what do you do i'm a crocodile i do this and <laughs> he snaps his jaws at him. That's good stuff. But then Knuckles, just big old uppercut, <laughs> gets him in the jaw. Proper tooth rattler, too. Great panel from Elson. And then the next the next bitch is Victor going, Ah, I bit my tongue! <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Great. Chaotics are a weird old bunch, aren't they? Because mm. I, I did not know before so long ago that almost all of them were pre-existing characters. Before the chaos. Oh, that's game. right. So Vector was like yeah. part of that band that. Well, well, Mighty was from the arcade. Mighty was from the arcade. That's the game. that's the big one. Mighty was the one who actually got out into the yes. world in the arcade game. Vector was designed, uh, yeah, for a, like a very early concept for the original Sonic game when Sonic was part of a band. They, they might have only like been on a sound test screen yeah. or something. But him and a couple of other animals, yeah, he was designed for that. And uh, Charmy was designed for the manga in, in no, Japan. Really? Yes, really. He was in a box. He was in a coma in a box that could rewind time oh, or some shit. Right? Yeah. This is the Sonic manga where Sonic is the superhero alter ego of a hedgehog called Nicky. Yes. So he was created for that. And uh, certainly the illustrations of him from that manga don't look anything like this. Oh. But then I think a little later in the manga's life, he was redesigned to gain the, the sort of flying helmet look with the goggles. Uh, well, i tell you what, you know, something that, that bears pointing out is that like, by this point, the art style had always been really, like, consistent. Like, if you were... Mm. You, before you saw it, you could never imagine what would an echidna, what would a bee look like in a Sonic <laughs> yeah. style. And then they would bring it out, and you're like, that's it. That's what it would look like. And that's true of all of the chaotic. And Espio is the only, like, actual original character created for the game. That is wild. I never realised that. So something I noticed in the fight uh, is that we really don't find out what Knack does. And no, he's completely silent. He's completely yeah. silent. All he does is he like basically SBO says to him, Knack quickly, I'm not sure how long I can hold him. And Knack approaches the fight looking like he's going to do something um, with perhaps the suggestion that he's maybe a bouncing character because he's jumping in, but you never know. And then all that happens is he gets mm. SBO thrown into him and that's that. And it occurs to me that like that might be because what Knack does is he shoots you with a gun. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> so is, is this a Michelangelo's nunchuck situation where it's like, well, well, well. you know, I think it might be because doesn't STC in later years yeah. like uh, give him his own sort of like special 
Technopyre set, doesn't he use like shrinking and growing capsules? Oh, is that him? Isn't that like kind of yes. kind of his thing in the future of STC? I don't remember. That would be a little past my time from back in the day. Oh uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because it's not like he just has go- has a gun. This <laughs> is power, you know. <laughs> Jumping back a second to talk about Charmy. Mm. So you don't like Charmy. I'm getting this vibe off of you. You find him annoying, yeah. as do the characters yeah. in the comics. But this is what Charmy's like in the games yeah. now. This is the fan, the fascinating yeah. thing. It's like you can't really believe that it was deliberate, but since about what? Since since after since the, after the end of the Dreamcast yeah. era, like since since the post Sonic Heroes, Charmy is this weird, hyperactive, flighty guy who rambles on and annoys his teammates. I think that makes a lot that of sense. That became his canon personality. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense because he is literally flighty. He's a bee. And frankly, that's going to be the character. It's going to be the little chirpy one. And um, makes sense. Yeah, that, I think, honestly, the main thing that I dislike about Charmy is that then as now, we have to read out his dialogue sometimes. <laughs> I, always, I don't know, Matt. I tell you, this is going to be a point of divergence. I always enjoyed Charmy as a kid. I enjoyed this reading his stupid dialogue. Righty doody do. <laughs> well, that's good. That's very good. Charmy spelled C-H-A-R-M-E-E. Yes. Which would be like a recurring error in STC, but it is just C H A R M Y. Really? Supposed to be spelled. Wow. Yeah. Oh, STC has got right into my brain because I've always spelled yeah. it with the double E. Yeah, that's probably how it's written in. Uh, I bet it in is. Mobius, I bet it is. Yeah. God, is that? Well, that I kind of. I mean, look. I was about to say out loud that I prefer it charmy with two E's, but of course I do. That's nostalgia, isn't it? Obviously, I do. But STC doesn't exclusively spell his name uh. that way. It'll change. Uh, I guess it's because he's a bee and he's Charmy Bee. Charmy Bee. Charmy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the difference between Charmy and Charmy. Like the difference between Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel. Yes, although I would never think of calling him Charmy Bee. <laughs> he was Charmy Bee. <laughs> anyway, back to that last page. Oh yeah, the last page. So this is a, an Omni viewer centric page because the, the you know the battle's finished. Omni comes in and goes, "Oh, hang on, sorry, right? I'm holding it. I haven't got any, but I'm holding my hands up to this. I've screwed up here. <laughs> um, yeah, got it wrong. Uh, working on outdated information. What I've done is I've just been and read all of STC. And, uh, <laughs> I've checked out this podcast. <laughs> I've been listening to. I do have mastery of space and time. I jumped ahead. <laughs> Turns out I'm an echidna. Weird, but anyway." Um, <laughs> Yeah, he is uh, good. Knuckles is good. He was fooled by Dr. Robotnik, but now he's good. And then as he's explaining this, they go, what's happening with your face? You got some acne on there. And it's because these patches are coming through, which resolve as the two metallicses that we saw. And uh, it's really cool because Rich has drawn them the way he draws the face. They're they're shapes Mm -hmm. and suggestions and impressions without, you know, solid outlines particularly. I mean, they kind of have, but... And so that's what it looks like when you're coming through the Omni... I love the line that Omni says, Impossible! Nothing can get into my personal workspace without my permission. Yeah, that is cool, futuristic thinking. I bloody love it for some reason. It's like... It's like Zordon, right? We saw mm-hmm. Zordon as a face in a tube, but he was meant to be an interdimensional being, and that face yes. was just him looking through the ether. We don't know what Omni is. This is his personal workspace, like it's his computer desktop or something. This is his. Uh, we're looking at his iPad. I, I never, you know, I couldn't figure out what it meant. No, but I that's what's good about that it. I didn't understand what it meant. Exactly. You know? And the Omni viewer, well. 
I was going to say, the Omniviewer would always be this mysterious thing. I always wanted to know what his deal was, you know? Where did he come yeah. from? Was he made? Yeah. Was he born? What was he? And obviously, you had the same notion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you wanted to know what is it? Well, well, you were kind of press-ganged into it. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, Boomers, you need to pop over to our Patreon and check out uh, <laughs> the End of Mobius series of videos where Dave's reading me his terrible teenage fanfiction in which it turns out the Omniviewer was once an echidna who was imprisoned in the form of a screen. <laughs> because Dave just wanted to RP the Omniviewer in an old IRC chats back in the day. Yes. And they said, no, you have to be an echidna. Because and... <laughs> they didn't get it. They didn't understand what the Omniviewer was. So it was vetoed and I had to be an echidna. Oh. But if you want more, you know where to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave, if you want to read me any more, you know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash STCTP. Yeah, good comic. Oh, the Yelson is strong with this one. <laughs> it, it <laughs> yeah. Just, 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 like, remember last issue, I said, like, I didn't know I was going to be getting a second round of Elson whenever I'd already got the first mm. Sonic strip in the issue drawn by him. It's this move that keeps him ever present now within the yeah. comic for literally the next whatever year or something. He's always got a strip in the Brilliant. comic now. He's never gone. As it should be. Lovely art, funny combat moments, biting tongues, Charmy's good. Charmy's Charmy, good. I'm, yeah. I'm allowing it. And, I'll allow uh, it. <laughs> Char- no, Charmy is good. He is. Oh, metallics. And oh, it's all just. And it's all just. This is only part two, for God's sake. Listen, I can't wait. It's a Mickey Mania special. So it is. Not play that. Like Chaotix, I feel like playing it now, just just looking at these screenshots. I have played it when my cousin came round my house and brought it. Now, I remember it looking mm. quite good. Um, it never, it didn't strike me the way that World of Illusion did, you know. But, sure, uh, yeah. But it's meant to be good, I think. The marbles are very important to Mickey. Mm. Is the only phrase that stood out to me. I don't know why I liked it. Doesn't it. say why. I assume it's ammunition and you have a limited amount of it. That, I think, is why it stood out to me. The marbles are very important to Mickey, it says, without having told us there are marbles or explaining why he likes them. <laughs> Mickey only has a limited amount of energy, making yeah. the game very difficult. Same. Mickey has a health bar. It's so, it's so difficult. However, <laughs> provided you proceed with care on each level and collect stars to restore your energy, it is possible to get through. Through. Oh, good. Oh, Let me few. translate that paragraph. <laughs> Mickey has a health bar. Total power. And if you don't get hit, you can finish the game. No, here's a We haven't had one of these top and bottomers in a while, have we? No, not in a while. And, and, and I feel yeah. as if. Isn't this Sabutio advert at the bottom actually a repeat anyway? I think it is, yes. Mm. Well, I think Arsenal will either win or lose the championship this year, says Graham Taylor. We haven't even had a Sabutio advert in ages, no. to be honest. I saw it here and I was like, really? They feel like such an artifact of the past to me already, somehow, yeah. of the comic and the podcast itself. It's been a long time since we've seen it. And it's just, um, it's Arsenal, I guess. Mm. The team, it's the team. And is that the goalie in the middle with the green base, I guess? Yeah, it must be. He's got his hands in the air. Is that what goalies do? I guess so. Yeah. Like, well, that and people who just don't care. <laughs> oh, well, then I'll just throw my hands in the air about Sabutio Quite and football. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
But then above that, yeah. we have what a little comic strip, which is an advert for Fantastic. Jawbreakers, sweeties. Yes, and it's so we've had this sometimes where there'll be a little comic about you know why you should eat Jawbreakers, but this one stands out among those because this is like not only does this look legitimately like it's out of the Beano. Yes, it looks like it was drawn by David Sutherland. Who yes, drew the Bash Street Kids. That's exactly the googling I did, and I drew the same conclusion i think this is david sutherland now i don't know that i looked it up and who knows how correctly labeled things are but we don't know if it's david sutherland, but it looks like it doesn't it this is a, proper a, a, bad a pretty sure i mean it's just so yeah. right down to the dumb ugly old beano speech bubble yes those ones that are basically like brackets around yeah the uh the bracket zone around the <laughs> around the things instead of single balloons yeah the only reason it's at all difficult to tell is because the Jawbreaker character that this is yes, a drawing of. Because this strip is called The Adventures of Jawbreaker, as if yes. the character who is the mascot for Jawbreaker Sweeties in yes. the 90s in the UK, who I can't find any pictures of through nope. Google image searches, nope. is also named Jawbreaker himself. Literally just, they'll have, what it is, is that the packet for a packet of Jawbreakers will have an illustration of a kid trying to eat one, teeth everywhere, hair scribbling up everywhere, eyes swirling. Well, they, they even do still now. Like, that is the illustration on a packet of Jawbreakers. It's it. a kid with a big, big gob crunching on a Jawbreaker yeah. stuck in their mouth. So this is just oh, the yeah. 90s version of that. Okay, uh, a word on Jawbreakers for anyone who doesn't know, because this is a, yeah, you... Here's my confusion. I always thought that Jawbreaker was a type of sweet but here it certainly reads as a brand especially since there's no brand mentioned other than jawbreaker yes i agree with you Uh but i suppose isn't the type a gob stopper oh yeah maybe that's what i'm thinking of And, and jawbreaker is what it's like the subversive name for it i've always thought a jawbreaker which these aren't is the very big too big for a mouth like almost like yeah. snooker ball sized ones that are usually white with speckled paint looking yeah. color on top mm-hmm, of them mm-hmm. and i'm led to believe different you know layers of strata on the inside yes. but i never had one because they i genuinely thought i would die and i still do i never understood the point of them because it's just a load of mess you can't put them in your mouth no. you don't finish them in one go yeah so oh just yeah a load of slobber yeah, you just you have to hold them and lick them. What do you them. do with them? Put it in a baggie? Well, what do we do with it? <laughs> so what I thought you had to do with it was simply be a more powerful boy than me. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know how some, some, some boys can turn their eyelids inside out? I can't do that. Some boys just must have a mouth that can unhinge in such a way as to allow a jawbreaker of that size. In. Well, that's not what these are. Jawbreakers were and are a pack... and I might nip out and get some later today if I can find them. A pack of four or maybe three i think four yeah. looking at google images four just quite large round sweets i mean they're basically just small versions of what you described so they did this is my question they had layers in right yeah and a bubblegum center like a gobster oh and a bubblegum center right yeah mm. now and they're lovely and they you know you clack them around in your mouth and you do you are genuinely concerned especially at our age god yeah but like the only reason it's at our age is because we are more tuned into our own mortality like uh, i would not be surprised <laughs> if these have killed many children honestly because they are a your throat sized plug <laughs> of sweet and they're hard and they don't break down for ages so if you like if you got a soft sweet stuck in your windpipe and you survive for long enough, 
it would dissolve because <laughs> it would be wet. These, you're, it is going to take the best part of a day. But if you're brave enough, you have those. Then genuinely, I think if I ever have one again, I'll, I'll be looking down as I do so that it falls forwards. <laughs> yeah, uh, lovely. I always, though, you see, I was always, any venue where you could buy jawbreakers. I was intro. I remember being introduced to jawbreakers by. A, I remember what friend it was and at what ice cream van. We used to have an ice cream van that would stop out and wait at the top of the road outside our primary school. He knew what he was playing. Mm. At. Mm. Our secondary school was on the top of a hill, mm. and he would wait at the bottom, uh, the, the gates to the school were at the bottom of. The, off the hill and the school was the job and yeah it's in the summer down there waiting outside the gates i remember the one day in the summer just one time it happened mm-hmm. another van turned up and there was a bit of an old uh oh bit of an old set too oh, oh, oh what while he was there two vans <laughs> yeah yeah two vans oh i thought you just meant you were like we don't recognize this van. no 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 i don't mean like you know no what happens then did he get out and fight him i think it didn't get any worse than crosswords but because uh... <laughs> what you want it to be is that they start chucking ice cream at each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just be like running in between to pick it up <laughs> yeah you just stand in between the two battling ice cream men and you jump <laughs> that'd be that'd be a good uh like you know game and watch <laughs> ice cream wars yeah but um no the, what i was gonna say is that from that ice cream van this the day i was introduced to the very concept of jawbreakers which would have been you know about three years before this comic came out maybe four the same friend introduced me with the same ice cream man to the one that always won out whenever I had a choice between the two, and I think always will, which is eye poppers. Did you have those? Eye poppers? Uh, not sure. Were they sour or fizzy? Was that why they were eye poppers? This is the thing. They were not just sour. They were, to this day, the sourest thing I've ever had in my mouth. But they weren't hard. This was where the game came in. Imagine this. You've got a uh, same size as Jawbreakers, maybe slightly bigger. Soft sweet but it's got this kind of crust on the outside it's kind of you know tough on the outside but not a shell nothing to bite through they're just they don't feel like they're soft you put them in your mouth and you can't bear it especially if you've got a blue one my mouth is puckering up yeah even just hearing you tell the story yeah especially if you've got a blue one those were the worst those were like you you can't bear so now it's a challenge because you're a child it's you're about 10 Mm. you're like all right i can stick this Mm. out i can show that i can do this Yeah, yeah here's the thing here's your out if at any time you can't bear it anymore, just bite down. And the sour disappears, and now you've just got beautiful sweet bubblegum, which is like the most refreshing flavor after that sourness. So the question is, can you wait and get through all the sourness, or do you just bite down? It's a strategy. It's like, at what point do I stop this extreme experience I'm having in the 90s as a boy. You're big into gamifying yeah. your food consumption, weren't you? Yeah. Shaking up your little cans of pop and yeah. squishing together your pastels. Yeah, <laughs> just just right. eat the fucking sweets. You know what? You're 100% right. I'm struggling now to think of a sweet or food that I didn't have a way of eating. I struggle to this day. If I eat an apple pie, a Kipling apple pie, just by eating it, it's not very nice. If... I nibble the edge of the little crimping edges of the apple pie off first, get the lid off, eat that, bite half of it off, then start biting out all of the sauce, and then it. Delicious! It's literally nicer <laughs> tasting. Well, everybody has a way of eating certain things. Like, you know, everybody eats a monster munch. Mm. And they pick the individual legs up yeah. first. You I'll know. tell you the one, the, the, the disappointment I had recently. We bought a packet of After Eights. Haven't had a mm. packet of After Eights for a while. It's after eight somewhere. Yeah. 
And I can't... Well, the thing is, it's after eight in the morning if it's not after eight in the evening. So you're always covered. <laughs> Here's what I used to do with them, right? I used to take me a little after eight. I would nibble around the outside so that now what you have mm. is a sandwich, basically. Yes. You can see the mint you through can see all the, the mint. sides. Yes. And I would slide the two parts apart. And I, with my, uh, with my two front teeth, newly minted two front teeth, I would uh, scrape it off, scrape the mint off. And then eat the chocolate. Pasta. I truly don't know how you could have done that because those things are as thin as a gnat's thong. You know what? <laughs> this is the thing. With this pack of after eights, I've tried to see if I could just you, do no, it. No, I don't know how you could have ever even done you it. Can't. It must have just been a human being scale type thing where yeah. you were so tiny. Must have been. And so delicate. Not like the powerful boys. <laughs> So delicate, so careful that I was able to ease them apart. Physically, you can't even do it. The stuff. No. And this is the thing, right? This is as then as now, they were kept in the fridge. So the stuff in them sure. is not soft. It's you know, it's not not soft, but it's do you know what I mean? It's been in the fridge. So sliding the two parts apart. No, it's just going to crumble in your hands. It's just going to yeah. crunch up. Everything you're saying yeah. makes 100% sense. I don't understand how you could have ever done it. No, if you list. it's it's what you would do if you had a big after eight, isn't it? And the thing is. Yeah. Well, no, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do think they are smaller now. Because it can't just be my... I know I'm bigger, but it can't just be that physically I was able to bend the laws of physics and slide these things apart. And you can't do that. Unless they've changed the formula in some way that... that but I, can't, I know, that seems impossible to me. Like, me. I just can't imagine how that could have ever happened. No. Carefully picking and licking the chocolate off a Jaffa cake until yeah. you can just peel the orangey bit off and eat it on its own. Yeah. Sure. Or biting apart a Twix so that you're eating each component separately. Fine. Yeah, yeah. You were with your teeth down, hanging down the top. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. I try and do that still with uh, Mars ice cream, but of course it's all stuck together. And... You can't do no. that with a Mars ice cream. No. It'll fall apart. Yeah, it? no, it doesn't work. Uh, I do it. Oh, I tell you what, I always treat myself when I'm eating a bounty. <laughs> this is about a jawbreaker, by the way. <laughs> We're going to get back to it. I, swear, I always yeah. treat myself to just breaking off one section on the top because it because you have those thick sections and I want to get one of them off and like grunk down into it, you know? And then um, once I've done that, I'm like. Might as well nibble all the chocolate off around it and just get a bit of uh, get a bit of coconut by itself. So yeah, it turns out I still do this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, it's like you know, I don't know when I last had a Milky Way, but Milky Way <laughs> is still very um, open to having the chocolate sort of broken off you want around to strip the it sides down. and top. And it's not yeah. now. Understand, I'm not breaking down the components, and that's how I eat the chocolate bar. It's just how I eat. At least some of the chocolate bar. Do you know what I mean? If I'm eating a Snickers, I'm trying to get down to the plain nougat and have a bit of that, just to see what it's you like. You just want them the exploded view of the yeah. chocolate bar. <laughs> yeah, I want to eat the components one by one and then go like, and here's what they're like together. But especially in Twix, that biscuit. If I could, ju I just want the biscuit from Twix. That's probably just a normal kind of biscuit you can get, isn't it? Probably. I wonder what kind it is. <laughs> It's like sucking all the chocolate off a chocolate finger. Yeah, you've got or, it. Or, you know, are you do, do you eat your skips by crunching them or melting them in your mouth? Exactly. And, and, you know, and I take this to the extreme. Yesterday, just yesterday, I dissolved in my mouth a marzipan fruit. <laughs> I kept it in there until it was gone. <laughs> and dare I ask how long that took? Uh, 
Not at, it, I, look. I didn't do it in perfect lab conditions. I was squishing it. <laughs> you didn't with my start mouth. a timer. I wasn't chewing, but I was squishing. You know what I mean? I was letting it happen. Um, so you know, it wasn't a pure experiment like with the pastels, where <laughs> where I just keep them until they dissolve down to the last molecule. Me, I tend to just uh, shovel. I just mm. eat them. Yeah, but then they're gone. You can't eat them anymore. So anyway, this Jawbreaker advert takes the form of a comic strip in which the Jawbreaker mascot character, who, and this this bugs me, in that the character is off the front of the packet, is clearly designed to have a Jawbreaker wedged in yes. the cheek, yeah. but is here drawn as, as if that is simply his large distended cheek. I'll tell you what he looks like if you want to imagine this, the style. He looks like a character that would be the mascot for Yikes Pencils, more than he does yeah. for Sweets the 90s mm. and he wants to know where he can buy some jawbreaker sweets around here he's out in the badlands or something <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in the desert in the... Oh, we're gonna buy some jawbreaker sweets around here and another chap who is there a bash street kid looking yeah. chap says 20 miles from here around the other side of the mountain be no style he has the word thinking and an arrow pointing yeah. to him as he thinks to answer the question so that you know he's thinking <laughs> and then the lad just chews his way through the mountain with his big powerful jaws runs into the sweet shop for a packet of jawbreakers quick please yeah mountains aren't half as tough as jawbreakers. And then there's a little Beano style label, a point arrow pointing towards the empty packets saying that they are empty. empty. So that we know they're empty. Yep. Um and he's got the old crunch munch every minute. What this is an advert for is not just the existence of jawbreakers, but the but they're trying to entice you in with the fact that there is a free hologram in every pack, mm. and there are six cheeky pictures to collect. Now I assume by hologram they mean shiny. If they must, mustn't they? Or or maybe that kind of shiny where the colour of the drawing seemed to be a little bit back from the picture, rather than a sculpted model that's then photographed as a hologram and sold to you on it. Yeah, but they're cheeky pictures. So they're pictures of the lad with his fingers up his nose. Oh, he's right up his nose. And he's got his bum out. Oh, he's got his bum right out in a, in a very sort of Cartman-looking way. It's like he's just pulled his trousers down a bit and there's a line, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Actually, they're not... The, they're rubbish drawings compared to the ones in the strip. So yes, I wonder. Very much so. I wonder whether they were bad even compared to the because the way he's drawn so uniformly in the comic and nothing like this guy draws in the Beano makes me think that mm -hmm. he's accurately drawing the design on the packet and these holograms yeah, aren't. And then these are just some cheap knockoff, yeah, low rent things that yeah they've got they've had made for the. What's happening in the the, what, the stickers? What's he got in the first picture? That looks. I don't know. It's an arrow. It looks like. Oh, it's an arrow pointing bum. to his bum. I thought it was the other way around, so I was like, "Well, it's not." Oh wait, it's his hat. Oh, it's his it's hat, and that's his piece. He has removed his. Thank hat. goodness for that. Removed his hat, bum out, blowing a bubble, sticking his tongue out, snot explosion. It looks no, like no, I think no. Or maybe, or maybe that's the bubble. I popping. think it's a bubble popping. I think it's. And fingers up nose. Right, anyway, Flipping let's get heck. off this stupid ad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we've not had adverts in a while, no, and I think a, it all just a, poured I've out. a good ad in a while, so yeah. <laughs> Sparkster. Last of the Rocket Knights, part two, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Keith Page, letters by Steve Potter. Sparkster sneaks into Castle Zebulon and approaches Princess Shelley in her chambers. She explains that the kingdom has been placed under a spell of corruption by King Gedol, darkening the hearts of its people. Sparkster is only protected from it by his enchanted armour, the presence of which is also freeing Shelley from its effects. Unfortunately, Sparkster moves a little too far away from her, and the spell takes over Shelley once more, leading her to sound the alarm. 
as Sparkster fends off Gedol's guards, the king himself arrives, and Sparkster is shocked to learn that Gedol and the ensorcelled Shelly are soon to be married. Ensorcelled. <laughs> if there is one thing I always like in a comic, Chris, it is that the first panel is an establishing shot of the entire planet that they live on. <laughs> it does. And I'm not making fun, genuinely. I love that, and this is a good example of it. It's a little odd, though, that they go for the... The world of Alhorn, once a realm of tranquility and beauty ruled over by a gentle princess, now hatred and despair dominate the land. It's a picture of two blokes punching each other. Yeah, yeah, while the lizard guards of Gedol's look on outside a pub. Yeah. But, so, are the Gedol... Are they, like, an invading alien empire? Because if they're from this planet, then why did you show me a, a oh, view yeah. of the planet whenever all he's supposed to have done is, is to have, you know... Uh, in, another in guy the, the kingdom. kingdom. Well, no, he, I mean, Sparkster does say later the, the enchantment is everyone on Elhorn. But then where has Sparkster been? I mean, has he not been on the planet to have noticed that other... No, people... he says he's protected by his armour, so he was just in his clothes. No, 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 but but he was surprised to come back last issue, to come back to the, the kingdom. Oh, yeah. And find it being all different. Is this a Sparkster thing? Like, in the, in the game Sparkster, does he go to space at the end or something? Well, he goes up to an orbiting satellite at the end of the first game, but he comes there down. At the, he, but he comes oh. down at the end of the first game too. Hmm. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, is this from the game at all? Because then it'll be explained. Oh, that's actually that's a pretty good question. Actually, yeah. Uh, after the kingdom of Zephyrus was rescued by Sparkster from the Devatindos Empire, I believe that was the previous game. The kingdom comes under attack once again. This time from the Gedol Empire, led by King Gedol. Making matters worse, he has dispatched Sparkster's rival Axel Gear, who was in the game, to kidnap mm -hmm. Princess Cherry, Princess Sherry's cousin. Sparkster once again rockets into action to save Cherry and the Zephyrus Kingdom from King Gedol and his army of lizards. This doesn't seem like it has anything to do with anything, really. It doesn't feel like a follow-on from the game, but it's also not an adaptation of the game either. Hmm. I mean, there's lizards and... Yeah, the baddies the are princess there. And, yeah. The baddies and the... Well, well, the princess from the first game, because the second game introduced a second princess. <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, anyway, I enjoyed this one more than I enjoyed last issues. Yes, same. I liked this. I think it's well-drawn. I liked... The yes, the art it. was striking me a lot more. Yeah. Nice sort of fantasy landscapes at work. Oh, it's really Lots cool. Of, like that big splash page where Sparkster appears in front of the window in her bed chambers. And you yes. see the, uh, you see like the steampunk fantasy land with cranes and everything outside the window and the moon and everything. You know, that one where he looks out the, over the, uh, the balcony, the balcony you shot. Yeah. You can see like the whole town plus some industrial revolution, train track, arch, mm. conveyor belt things, a background tower that's covered in details. With a oh, with a, a smoking cannon on the top of the castle and all sorts of things. Yeah, it's Casanova's Grimer's laboratory level palace details. Mm. Even when you're inside, there's constant new palace details on nearly every panel. It's lovely. Yeah, no, it's looking well this issue. I mean it didn't look bad last issue. No, it was fine. Struck I wasn't struck by it, but I'm struck yeah. by it. This issue. It looks well this issue. And we get, you know, we're spelling in, in some of the plot. I, I and King <laughs> I do sort of chuckle there, King Get all appears on the last page. <laughs> and I don't think this is the idea, right? But obviously Right. These are people who have been in bed, so she's technically in a nightdress, even though she's wearing a necklace and a tiara and everything. <laughs> yeah. But doesn't King Gettle look like he's put on his slippers to come and see what the noise is all about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, I it's probably look. just the character design is not supposed yeah. to look... It's probably supposed to be, you know, just, just a sinister devil-faced toe cap on his boot. 
But yeah. the way it's been colored makes it look like he has just put on his little devil ear slippers to come and see what all this noise is about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking now at pictures of King Geddel, and I can't find one that's got his shoes in view. It's a simple matter of Google image searching the name King Geddel, where uh, you can find the one piece of reference art that Keith Page was given for this character. Because I'm not sure he is supposed to be quite as uh, flat-faced as he looks in the art here. I get the impression he might be supposed to be a bit more of a dragon with with more of a snout if one was going by the game art. But you can definitely see the one piece of line art that he's had to work with. (laughs) Yeah, it's difficult to tell because there are a few different pictures of the character, but they look like they're from different things or fan art. or You can never tell what is and isn't fan art anymore because the fan artists have got really good. True, it's hard to know, (laughs) yeah. But it's the old uh, evil ruler has ensorcelled, spelled, magicified the ruler of the other kingdom and he's going to marry her to uh, to get full control. Yeah. What it was, did she say? A spell of corruption that suppresses the good in people and intensifies the bad. So he just set everyone against each other's throats and slipped in. And then exactly. Sparkster, massive Egypt that he is, just decides to go and <laughs> walk over and look out the window. He just wanders off to do a dramatic look yeah. over the shoulder camera shot out of a window. To brood out the window. <laughs> yeah. And and that's far enough away from Shelley's bed that um the spell takes her over again. I mean it's um and I mean this in a non disparaging way, I mean this in a, a sort of a what you would end up with way. It's a Wonder Boy comic, isn't it? It's a Random hero in a random fantasy world that's got a bit of anime flair to it. Yes, but authentic. Mm. You know, faithful to the spirit of the original thing. Not Mm. cynical or ironic the way Wonder Boy was. You know, so... uh, This is the the Wonder Boy comic we wanted, really. (laughs) Yes, basically. But uh, I will say, lacking so far the sense of humour that served to be the bright spots in Wonder Boy. Mm. When it wasn't trying to be... (laughs) look how stupid this game is when it wasn't trying to be that you know whenever you had wordsmith's poetry Uh, or things that did make us laugh in wonder boy i I enjoyed this one more than i did last issue and we'll see how it picks up because once again do not really remember what happens in this or where it goes but Mm. um you know i i I can't say i'm champing at the bit for more of it we'll see where it goes i guess i don't know this this one just kind of washed over me as a kid and uh i guess we'll see where it goes I wish I had more to say about it, but I just don't yet. I just don't yet. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for something to make it click, but we're not there yet with it. Spoilers. We got one from Lee Hay from Bolton here. He says, Dear Megadroid, something shiny and gold caught my eye while I was shopping in the local supermarket. On closer inspection, it was the cover of SDC's 50th issue. I bought the comic and was very impressed with the stories, reviews, and tattoos. Long may SDC live well into its hundreds. Well, it did. It did, yeah. <laughs> and Megadroid replies to Lee Hay, Hey, Lee. <laughs> Glad on this occasion that you judged a comic by its cover. Joseph Davies in Cheshire writes, Dear STC, I think Knuckles is the ugliest resident on the floating island. <laughs> and in my opinion, he needs a facelift and should get to grips with his hair. <laughs> I chuckled at the hairline. But I like Megadroid's response. Knuckles is the only resident on the floating island, Joey boy. Even though that's not true now either. No, yeah, no. <laughs> Emerald Hill folk up there, ancient STC proverb, don't judge an echidna by his coiffure. Oh, that's nice. It's a bit like cover, good stuff. I mean, it's weird that the two letters that both rely on the, a joke about judging something by its coiffure, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I'm, I'm feeling a bit self-conscious now that Chris has said that he's he's laughing at the hairline. Let me just uh, <coughs> comb that over. <laughs> Not one the talk. <coughs> so anyway, <laughs> Alad Edwards from Blackwood and Wheels wants to know if you can use Mega Drive games with the new 32X, which mm. says to me that Alad Edwards maybe didn't understand what a 32X was. Yes, except I think we've asked the same question. I think haven't we gone like you can plug a normal Mega Drive cartridge through this thing, right? You don't have to take it off. Well, I don't. <laughs> remember discussing it but my response now is why why would you do that yeah. when it's right there and it works already just unplug it yeah. anyway, but megadroid says sure can i led the 32x plugs into any mega drive or mega cd as well as working with the new range of 32x games all graphics and sound are supercharged all graphics and sound are supercharged yeah billy see i think megadroid is answering a different question here oh go on he's saying can Mega Drive games work with the 32X? And he said, yes, the 32X does work with any Mega Drive. You're right. Yeah. It's like when you earnestly email someone and they just don't read it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but he does say, like, as well as working with the new range of 32X games, all graphics and sound are supercharged. So, I mean, it does sound like... I don't know, is this like a playing DVDs in your PS4 situation where they upscale them? Well, it... That's what Megadroid is claiming, but it isn't. Listen, I mean, it shouldn't I'm be sure hard to Google it, it, so I'm gonna Google it now. I'm Did sure it isn't true. X, as well as playing its own library of cartridges, the 32X is backwards compatible with Mega Drive games, so you can indeed jam <laughs> them in there. That, well, yeah, you can jam them in there, but does it do anything? There are benefits to playing your Sega games on your 32X. The biggest benefit, in my opinion, is that the graphics are upgraded from 16-bit to 32-bit. Yeah, but what does that mean? Because they're coded a certain way. F***ing nothing. <laughs> it's all nonsense. <laughs> when gaming using the 32X console, the gamer will notice the image is a bit clearer than on the Genesis console. That's a big plus for any gamer. Ah, ah. Does the 32X have picture connectors in the back of it? Because that's the only way that could possibly be true. Yeah, it does, actually. Aha! Didn't know that. So it is upgraded then, but by having, you know, component cables instead of you just have an aerial port or whatever. I guess. Yeah, yeah, there's three ports back there. Uh. God almighty, I never knew that. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, I hate that. I hate knowing that. Why? Because there were already too many bloody cables back there. <laughs> cables were already a tangle of a nightmare of a thing when you're trying to plug your Mega Drive in back then with your aerial and your wee box and your three coloured cables. <laughs> and now they want to put three more cables. You just I, always, I always just thought you just plugged the thing in the top of the Mega Drive and it just worked. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Oh, video games. Not Jesus. me, I'm excited by this because of course... because. My way into this was that on my Mega Drive, I'm like, well, I need to listen to the stereo sound here. I know that Sonic is in stereo and I need that. So I'm looking for a headphone port on it, but I haven't got one because I've got a Mega Drive 2. So what do I do? I, I, I find out what you have to do. You have to buy a SCART cable. So all right, you plug your SCART cable in. That goes into the TV. That is now a single, the equivalent to HDMI. One plug, one plug, sound and picture. But not only is it in stereo... It's uh, suddenly much better looking now. So that was me. I was Scott Loyal from then on. Uh, <laughs> and that has led to my life of dreadful crimes ever since, where I've been into the whatever the best connector is for things. It's, be it's fine now. You only have HDMI now. It's just the one, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, turns out Megadroid was right after all. Sorry for impugning your authority, Megadroid. Uh, yeah. 
we got two bits of fan art and well listen listen right yes why did they have to go out of their way to make up that rambo tales one as being a tennis picture when they have a tennis picture right here like i know they yeah. like a bit of consistency well I, that's probably why because they like a bit of consistency across the graphic zone and the speed lines yeah so they wanted to keep one that was unambiguously a tennis picture back for the for the speed lines because okay. it's sonic in a white t-shirt and green shorts. Green shorts now, so there's a little bit of difference going on here. And he's got laces on his sneakers with a, with a tennis ball in the racket. And that's from uh, Jamie Wilkes and Shirley. Did we establish when we were doing the graphic zone that it says coincide with Wimbledon fever? Yes, I, I We did, it. right. So I guess this is Wimbledon. There's a Wimbledon going on. There's a Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah, your mum's turning your cartoons off because she's watching the Wimbledon. She's got some strawberries Ugh. out. God, oh, <laughs> oh, don't remind me. Oh, <laughs> when Wimbledon would be on and would get in the, they would preempt the cartoons if the matches ran long. Oh, oh, God. oh, you kids don't know how good you have it with your dedicated cartoon channels. You don't have to put up with that shit. Oh, one of the most annoying things that could ever happen to an 11 year old. The one for me was at the time, there you are trying to watch Star Trek, right? Next Generation or DS9. And the snookers run long, right? No! That was the worst thing. I know you weren't a Star Trek guy, but it you get matter. that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Principle. Principle. Two weeks ago at time of recording, me and the rest of the internet that partakes in hashtag TOTP1990 sat down to watch the repeats of Top of the Pops and the snooker had run long! We couldn't believe it! It was like That being is the most authentic there. 1990 experience, however. It, to be fair, it was. And comments were made, let me tell you. The f***ing snooker the runs snook long. You have the dedicated channels for snooker now, probably. Here's the thing, right? Just let us have the thing that's ours. These guys were playing snooker, and it's like, what runs long in snooker? It's not like you don't stand there going, hmm, ah. Nobody runs onto the pitch. Nothing goes wrong. There's no injuries. Just play, just be better at snooker. Get the balls. Ostensibly, you should be able to play a snooker game in about the right amount of time. I wouldn't, if 10 minutes, I wouldn't mind. 20 minutes, I'd understand. Two hours, Chris. They had to axe the whole top How? of the pot. Oh, my God. we got to get off this. It's making me mad. <laughs> his blood coming out of his forehead. Do you notice the background of Speedlines is yellow this issue instead of blue? Uh, no, and I hadn't known that it was blue, necessarily. Well, there you go. We've got another picture here from Michael Franks from Wolverhampton, and it's Tails with a sweatband, and it says, Fox on the run, and maybe he's running. It's hard to tell. Yes, he's in what looks like a running pose, but what he's running yeah. up could be a, a snowboard i was thinking snowboard yeah it could be a board of some kind mm. it, it, there's just a there's just a, a sort of a rectangle of yellow and green underneath his feet so you don't know if it's a board or if it's a hill if it's a hill then he's just drawn one stripe out of it and i feel like you wouldn't yeah, he's just drawn literally the area under his feet yeah I, like it's his shadow almost i don't think that's mm. what you do i think it's a board maybe i'm just thinking of the fact that it tapers up at one end that 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 could be accidental yeah it could be but yeah, yeah, I'm not, not quite sure what's happening. What, what's going on with the uh, the sort of beads on the back of his headband? I think that's just supposed to be the knot where it's tied. Right, yeah. Another bandana wearing tails. And uh, and all of those people are winning the Sonic stationery, the lovely folder yes. and the pencil tin and whatever else is in it. Whoa, part of the range of Megatitious Sonic products available from most retail stationers. Megatitious. Megatitious. Hmm. <laughs> have we got anything in our Megatitious mailbag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have. Here's one. Um, okay. So, all right. 
The reason why I've not been reading out uh, many recently, I now realise as I look at them, is that we've had a few very long letters and that's why they haven't really been in the podcast because they're too long. We, we edit them down, so apologies if we do that to you, but like some of them are too long to even start. You keep it going, we'll have to be like Megadroid here and start editing your letters down to two yeah. or three sentences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got one from Andrew Duncan who says, Hey guys, I've been listening to the podcast since early in the run, but various lockdowns resulted in me getting a bit behind. It's hard to listen to podcasts in the car when I'm never in the car, you know? Yeah, yeah. tell me about it. I recommend getting yourself a little Bluetooth shower speaker. Oh, it's improved my life. Oh, it's good. I am listening to so many more podcasts in the shower now. However, I write this with only one episode ahead of me. I'm almost up to date, guys. Like Dave, I started reading Sonic the Comic with that little preview attached to the front of some other mag when I was 10. Unfortunately, due to my dad being the RAF, we moved around a bit and I couldn't guarantee on where I'd be able to get each issue from. Nonetheless, I managed to get most of them and still have them up into the 150s. Wait a minute, moved around a lot. Did you write to STC from that army base that that one kid did? It's supposed <laughs> to be an RAF base. Ago, wasn't it? Mm. As a podcaster myself, check out the Grincast, maybe discuss the week's gaming news. I'm always jealous of how polished each episode of STCTP is. Our schedule means we publish the episode an hour after recording. Oh, oh, there's, no, oh, oh goodness. Oh, that set me off. So there's rarely time for musical stings and sound effects, except for our end of year Game of the Year episodes recorded two weeks in advance. My f- the, the one episode where you'd think that you would record it on the dot because you have to know what came out for the whole yeah, year. Yeah, be up to date. <laughs> My favourite strip for you to talk about is Shinobi. Not because I like the script, but because I enjoy the theme tune. <laughs> One, two, three. Hi-yah! That's what he's written next. <laughs> Rather than make this longer, I'll probably write again in the future to further compliment the podcast. Uh, that is, if you'll read it after I give my confession. I was one of the people who cut the data strip off and sent it into STC. In my defence, my older brother convinced me to do it and give him a second one so that he could submit the awful ideas of Cave Sonic and Jungle Amy. Right. Oh, no. That's not what they asked on the data strip, right? The data strip, if you've not listened on an episode where we mentioned it, is like the the last little right-hand side of the inside uh, back cover. And it's like, cut this out, fill it in, and send it in. And it's, who are you? Name, address, and age. So they're finding... They're doing market research here. Yeah, Hot yeah. shots only, enter your game scores. <laughs> Can't imagine anyone Still asking for game yeah. scores now, 54 issues in with never once anything published after promising it two years ago. They are, yeah. They ask, uh, what are your three favourite stories in this issue in order of preference? So they know what to mm-hmm. keep and what to throw. And then, and game into strip, what Sega game would you like to see as an STC strip in the future? I think dot 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 would make a great comic strip in STC. That's he's not read the question. Cave Sonic and what Amy? Jungle Amy. Jungle not a game. Amy. Not that, a game. That my friend is some archist bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> One of my suggestions, Andrew Duncan says, was Ristar, but I don't recall the others I submitted. Yeah, Andrew, you are correctly reading the you're, question. You've got the right vibe. Yeah. What game would you like to see as an STC strip? Cave, Sonic, and Jungle Amy. Unless he meant Jungle Strike, and Amy is a helicopter <laughs> flying around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shooting Jungle things with a crossbow. Where you go around Amy in the theater. <laughs> 
It's a very it's Amy game. Aim. Aiming is the main thing you do, which makes it an Amy game. An Amy gamey. Cave Sonic and Jungle Game. <laughs> Cave Sonic. That's not even. Okay, uh, calm down. You're really put out about that. It's like when you ask someone a complicated question with three different questions in it, each requiring proper answers, and what they reply to is, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, you've not read it. You haven't read it. You've read the last bit, where in the email I've just put in, like, hope that's okay, and they've gone, okay, you've not read it. You've not read it. You've not read it, br- older brother Duncan. Cave <laughs> Sonic. How about Ghost Mutt? <laughs> Keep up the great work, says Andrew Duncan, from Andrew Ace Lister Duncan, Dreamcast owner, Sonic Water Fun Game Wanter. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, good stories indeed. Even though it's clearly raised Dave's blood pressure a little. Oh, it did a bit. That was. Uh, oh, by the way, the the topic line on that was speed lines boing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we say to ourselves before we go into actually recording speed lines. Dijama F. Wow, I I don't know how to pronounce that, sorry, has been writing us some extremely long emails, which I find very interesting, but they're too long to include in the podcast. This one, however, pertains to something we've actually talked about in this episode. Here we go. Dear STCTP, I've gone down a rabbit hole of knowledge concerning Japanese Sonic manga. The very first Sonic the Hedgehog comic, predating the American promo comic featuring the Kintaro origin by a few months, was Sonic the Hedgehog Story Comic which was a three-chapter comic published in the pages of the magazine Mega Drive Fan. The first chapter is apparently a prelude to the game and has Sonic's concert with the scrapped sound test band get crashed by Robotnik, while the later two chapters appear to be pretty straightforward, running the zones type stuff. My, I think I might have seen this, yeah. The third chapter is also accompanied by a text story that features the Sonic was the nickname of a pilot who broke the speed barrier and died story. What? I was sure they made that up for that Dreamcast Sonic Adventure 2 special edition thing. I feel like, having heard that again, having gone back to listen to old episodes, I feel like it wasn't described accurately by us in the context of the of the episode. Because, no, I, I read about it more myself afterwards, yeah. and I, I remember understanding a bit more about it, but I have known now for a while that that mm. was an, an old thing. Mm. I don't know, I can't remember the details anyway. I just remember they didn't line up 100% with the way it was described on the show. Oh, well, the reason I thought that on the show, because I was just saying what I thought it was, was that yeah. I remember it being, like, obviously bullshit. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, just the framing device of, like, this is what Sonic really originally was. So, we were so like, at the time, Sonic fans we were like, yeah, they, they, it isn't. They're saying that this is what it originally was, but they're just making it up. I didn't realise that was itself old. That is fascinating. Uh, thanks for that, Dijana, who went into much more detail, uh, like, incredible detail about, like, every publication that's had a Sonic manga in it ever. Again, like I say, Dijana sends us emails that are too long to read on the, on the... I mean, we might as well read, like, a whole fan wiki about something. But I find them fascinating and interesting. Do keep them coming, even if we can't uh, read them all out. So, yeah, thanks, Dijana, for that. I think that's going to bring us to the end of another issue. Uh, next issue, the lights are on. But who's at home? Mm. It's a new Sonic story, and yeah, hey, look, there it is. There it is. <laughs> There's this Citadel Robotnik. Yeah, that was the main clue. Yes, on the uh, nighttime cityscape view of the Metropolis Zone, with uh, all the the lights lit up yellow, and the lights yeah. are on. Two moons in the background. Two moons. It just makes me wonder: Is Mobius normally depicted as having two moons? Yeah. I don't actually know. I, don't know. I'm try- I mean, we've definitely seen two moons before. In fact, I think I remember mentioning it just recently, but. It could just be that Corona likes to draw two moons. I mean, it's cool. Could be. 
Plus, Knuckles, Chaotix Action, Sparkster, Rockets into Part 3, Kid Chameleon, Changing Faces, Mickey Mania Part 2, Q-Zone Special, STC-55, A Head, head. because Citadel Robotnik Citadel Robotnik's like, a Robotnik's big head. Head. A head. head of its time. On sale Saturday the 24th of June 1995, 1.15. When you're looking for that episode, you'll be able to find it in most places that good podcasts are available. You can also download it directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast, or you can find us separately on there. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeely, and we're both on YouTube under those names as well, doing our stuff. You can join our Patreon to help us out. That is patreon.com forward slash stctp. And that pays for our editor, Sam, who you can find at samgabrielvo.com. Com. Our opening theme tune was Synchronized by Sonic the Comic the Band, whose work you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com, and you can also find their comic at oursuperadventure.com. That's their comic, but we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we will see you next, next time. time.